How do you feel about engaging in some wild speculation? Welcome to episode number 147 of Grumpy Old Benz for Monday, March 29th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I'm really happy that the windows are bulletproof because 30 people were shot three fatally over the weekend. And from America's left coast, where our extensive network of hydropower plants generates enough electricity to mine all the bitcoins in the world. Barely. I'm Ryan Bemrose. That's a lot of cheap electricity. And why aren't all the Bitcoin folks just sitting there? And Actually, a lot of them are that there's, there's like warehouses a, of them. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what their status is. Probably mining coins. But there was uh, a big story about four or five years back uh, about uh, a Bitcoin mining conglomerate from uh, a Chinese company, believe it or not. Uh, coming into a place called Quincy, Washington, which is the middle of the desert in eastern Washington. There is literally nothing there, but they happen to be only a few miles from one of the hydro dams. And I pulled some I pulled some in information this morning just because to see, you know, I I had one of my concerns about uh, Bitcoin in particular is the the idea of proof of work. And, you know, you know, roughly how proof of work works with with coins right. is. Uh, everybody all, all at once tries to, you know, you, you get 10 minutes with Bitcoin to everybody that can throws together as many hashes as they possibly can. And whoever gets the best hash, that's the block. And those are the ones who get awarded the Bitcoin. And the total amount of money spent on each hash is minuscule, but the total number of hashes that are calculated is insane. And um, I, uh, what was the site? Uh, I, I found myself at the Cambridge Bitcoin Electricity Consumption Index, <laughs> nice. cbeci.org. And, uh, it, what it tells me is that the Bitcoin altogether, the Bitcoin network, just, just keeping coins alive, not even paying attention. You know, transactions are basically free when you're creating new blocks, but just generating blocks for Bitcoin, even if everybody stopped using it, it's using about 15 gigawatts. In order to keep the network going. Damn. Just to stay online. Yeah. Just to stay online, just to generate new blocks right now. And I mean, it's not just to stay online because if everybody stopped mining, then the cost would go down. That's the whole, the whole point is that the cost is proportional to how many people are trying to mine. Uh, but there are enough, you know, Bitcoin with, as the value goes up, more and more people go out and buy more and more NVIDIA cards to build huge data centers that do nothing but mine. And, Right now, I mean, 15 gigawatts, that's the size of uh, that. That's more power than the city I live in. That's, I guess, what I'm saying. Uh, Now, that's the whole network. And also, when I said barely, I I think the Pacific Northwest has has hydropower plants in excess of about 100 gigawatts capacity. So not really barely. But, you know, it's for the hyperbole of the thing, of course. But you understand why the people that are poo pooing this particular crypto 
because of its impact on the planet, they actually have a point. If they have a point, <laughs> if energy <laughs> consumption is really bad, I mean, I don't think it's as bad as, you know, polluting in, in the case, like you say, if you have hydro, well, it what? then it's not- carbon pollution, maybe, maybe that's fine. It depends on how you look at yeah. it. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I do think that Bitcoin isn't the place to be. I did, uh, I did exit the Bitcoin market entirely this week and moved everything over to Cardano. So that's the big bet at this Car- point. Kardashian coin? <laughs> no, close, but uh, it's a coin that is still kind of in its infancy, but it is, I think, the fourth on the list as far as people you know buying it as far as uh the overall market share on it and it's still inexpensive you know just a little over a buck per coin which it's uh it seems to be and we're not professionals and we don't give financial advice but it seems to be possibly on the way to replacing ethereum with doing the stuff like the nfts and being able to do the uh you know, smaller yeah, transactions. Now, now that NVIDIA has killed Ethereum in their new driver. Quite possibly. All these things are kind of connected. It is a much less resource uh, hungry crypto. Yeah, I first heard about it when it was like probably 30 or 40 cents when the great void zero told me about that in Polkadot, except there was no easy way to jump in. And the Cardano was just added for the Luddites like me that are just doing the crypto through Coinbase, they finally added Cardano. And I'm like, Yup, take everything out of the Bitcoin that's just been sitting there and going up nicely. Thanks, uh, CSB and the others that have gone the uh, the Bitcoin route and uh, yeah. just transferred it all you, to Cardano. You, you're not in you're not into Bitcoin yourself, but we definitely approve of any experts who are into Bitcoin who want to donate. Hell, yeah, it's still a way to do it. Although these other ones, the fees are getting better. So if you have Cardano, man, I can hook you up with it. I just need to print all of these addresses out there because there's a lot of these different coins. And it's really nice when you don't have to pay a huge fee. Somebody had no agenda social pointed out. It wasn't like we didn't know this, but, you know, ah, Bitcoin and Ethereum, that's for like buying houses and yachts, not for, you know, a coffee. And it's like, well, see, this is the problem then with Bitcoin and Ethereum, which is why I'm. Well, I'm betting on one of these other coins that is finally able that you could buy a coffee with it and maybe a few pennies go to the network rather than, hey, I want to buy a five dollar coffee. And they're like, that's great, but it's going to cost you $80 to process that transaction. I mean, if if you're all in with uh, what uh, Dave Jones and Adam Curry are trying to do in podcasting 2.0, yes. then they are, in fact, trying to make their well. They're they're trying to push they're pushing very hard on the lightning network to the point where the lightning network is creaking. Uh, but uh, they are trying to push the idea of Satoshi's as as a micropayment system. And and lightning might just be enough to do it because you're making a, a straight Bitcoin transaction is the <laughs> transaction fees are we, we've discussed before. You just mentioned transaction fees are outrageous and are make it not useful as a currency. Um, but I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing. I haven't, I haven't dug into it and I really wish that I had, because I feel like we, you know, it's getting mature enough that we here at grumpy old Ben's, the Luddites that we are might need to be jumping on this. Um, but, uh, the, yeah, the system with the, you know, first the, the Sphinx app and now the breeze app where, uh, 
you can use your app to just directly stream a, a you know, micro minuscule amount of payments with, you know, what it's like, what's the suggested a hundred Satoshis per hour or something. I don't know what, I, I don't remember the exact detail, but it turns out to be, you'd have to play your podcast all day and spend $4. Right. Which, yeah. which if you're a podcast listener, that's really not that much and is doable, but a, obviously, you know, no, no podcaster gets, rich on four dollars a day that's that's regular donation levels but if you have lots of listeners all jumping on these apps and that's obviously what what they're trying to do over there i'm i guess all i have to report is that i haven't dug in on and figured out exactly what's going to be needed but that's definitely on my list of things to do right well that's the question of which crypto and that is the issue also with what they're doing over at podcasting uh, podcast index 2.0 is that this isn't just tied to Bitcoin and the Satoshis. This is going to go to all other types of crypto coins once this is a proven system, once it works and everybody understands what's going on. So these other cryptos are going to come in at that point. And I would think that the crypto they'll be going for is the one that is stable with the least amount of fees, because that's what everybody wants when you're dealing with micropayments. Yeah. Stable and low fees. I mean, that's what people want in, in any kind of, of exchange medium. It's like people, you know, people don't, most people, when, when, when you have an economy working, people don't want money for the sake of money. It's just ugly little green pieces of paper. Well, if it's cash, otherwise you can't even see it. People want money because of what you can do with it. And so if I am online, you know, why would I want a Bitcoin? Well, okay. Bitcoin is, is, uh, because you, you keep it forever and it theoretically goes up until it crashes. But, um, but, but if we had a, you know, if you want to use something to purchase things, then you don't care particularly what the middle thing is. What you care is, uh, is, you know, is it stable enough to use as a currency? And more importantly, will, you know, I, Really, what people care about is, will my value be there? And the things that kill the value is instability and high fees. Right. Right. So, and making it so, unusable. Like I what you just about. said. <laughs> yeah. With the NFTs, that was it. It's like, I'd love to buy that $12, $15 MP3 from the Reverend Horton Heat, but I'm not paying 50 bucks for the pleasure of buying that item from him because I think it's stupid because well, he's no, not- I mean, people are not playing, paying 50 bucks for for the pleasure of a Reverend Horton heat album, they're paying 50 bucks to, because they believe in this NFT thing at this point. Right. That's, that's who's doing it because they believe people aren't buying NFTs to own an NFT. They're buying NFTs because they want NFTs to be a thing. Right. And nobody's bought the corn pop art. It's at the like $600. Go buy it. If so you the intersection between great. people who want NFTs to be a thing and people who like corn pop. Yes. Are not, they're not <laughs> intersecting yet. The price will continue to come down, although it's just fun to have that in my little wallet now on the phone. Like, hey, I own this piece of art. I mean, I did it. So, that's, of course, that's I own what it. we need. Yeah. Right. Al- along with the, the deaths in Chicago report every Monday, we're we're going to need a corn pop report. Digital now, trading weekly. cards. <laughs> yeah. And I did. Well, the uh, the wife and I did because it's hard for me to. I'm big, big hands and all. But uh, the furnace wasn't kicking on, which is not that big of a deal at this point because it's starting to get warm here in Chicago. But the furnace, the one morning, well, I'm like, this really isn't that warm in here. And I went downstairs and it was blowing, but it wasn't hot. And then I heard it try to like kick on and then turn off, try to kick Didn't on. You just have a problem with that thing with the filters, something else breaking. Yeah. The furnace, which is uh furnaces are not 
that uh, hands off. I mean, they are kind of because you can go for years without problems. They're not as hands off as your system, which is have an oven and throw wood in and light it on fire. That's that actually takes a lot of manual steps. Yeah, but there's there's not much that which can is, break which except is throw you. wood in and start a fire. Those are manual steps. Yes. But, you know, before calling the repairman or we have a guy that my mom's neighbor knows that's come out before and is reasonable because, you know, he's not a uh, not in the business to screw people. And I'm not saying most people in those kind of businesses are. But you never know if you don't know what you're doing, which is why. Everybody hates when they have to take their car in to get fixed or something like that, because you don't know what it is. You don't know what the problem is. You just know something's not working right. But I went online and within about three minutes found, well, look, it's probably a flame sensor that is dirty. Then I looked it up on YouTube. This is one thing YouTube is good for. As crappy as YouTube is with the amount of ads they want to slam down your throat. Yeah, it's it's Matrix style instant downloading of knowledge. Yes. in the matrix in what 1997 when did that freaking movie come out they had this idea that you just plug a thing into the back of your head and you're like you know i know kung fu right just instant knowledge and it doesn't quite work like that but youtube has provided us uh, an ability to download knowledge when we need it i mean it's not like i said not quite as quick as just plugging something in but when in human history have we ever had the ability to be like, I need to know how to do you shear off a, a brake pin on a 37 Oldsmobile? And YouTube has got a video on that. I don't even know if Oldsmobile existed in 37, but I bet there's a YouTube video for that. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. I don't know if they still are. I thought they were shutting that Buick and all that down. But uh, the furnace thing, I was able to find a the same brand of furnace we had and it's like oh yeah we'll take the the panel off which makes it a lot easier to access the furnace when you take the panel off and you just pull the panels off and one screw holds in this little rod which is like a little metallic or ceramic rod that gets dirty and the job of this thing is good because it senses whether or not there's flame so i'm assuming it's a heat sensor it's probably part thermostat and part safety mechanism to try to keep your house from exploding. And I think both of those are valuable. Yes. This, the sensor is doing its job because it's trying to see if it senses a flame. And if it doesn't, it shuts the furnace back down because if you have gas, you don't want gas buildup, right? Gas without flame equals bad for anybody that doesn't know. because yeah it's that's the funny thing it, 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 i i don't know if you're familiar with this term but a, a gas leak in an enclosed house or basement turns your basement into what is called a fuel air explosive which is the most powerful kind of bomb that humans have ever made short of nuclear yes well yeah you see that every now and then when it's like a house burns down usually it starts with something like that yeah or or if they if they do it right or or very 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 wrong what you see is the house actually explode and bits of of roofing and and wooden planks flying off into the air 30 feet up yeah so i'm glad this little sub ten dollar part it's doing its job but the the way to fix it was you pull this you take one screw out you pull the little rod out and I saw people either cleaning it with dollar bills, anything slightly that has just a little bit of grit to it, you can use. And they're like, yeah, you could use the little blue scratch pads, you know, you use in oh, the kitchen. Bill. Anything, as long as you got yeah. that little grit. 
So we just took the thing out, wiped it with the little kitchen. I might sponge be eating thing. the wrong kind of oatmeal. Maybe it could be. I mean, if you want to eat it after, that's up to you. Put it back in. Been working absolutely perfectly. And I'm sure if this was a if somebody had to do a, a house call to come and look at that, that would have been uh, probably about 150 bucks. bucks. Yeah. Yeah. For somebody to pull <laughs> this little thing out, go <laughs> clean. OK, you're you're all good. Or even if you had to replace it, it's a $10 part. You know, it's like, but these are the things that I would have never known. And before video, you could always go and read. There were message boards around long before YouTube, but reading like, well, there's going to be a little rod in there and you have to find that and pull it out. It's like, oh, no, I want to see somebody do it. It makes you feel so much more comfortable before messing with stuff like that. And sure enough, the furnace has been working and uh, we didn't need a house call. So. YouTube, I'll give them uh, some credit on that one. They provide us with knowledge. And, well, I uh, mean, it's it's not YouTube providing it to right. people on YouTube. YouTube That's, is just providing you a platform and then filling it with ads. And they, they are yes. a lot, a lot, a lot of ads. I'm getting tired of that, but that's okay. There are programs that you can download YouTube videos. And when you do that, they download without the ads. And that is the way you have to go now because... I think, I think one of the most, one of the most important lessons that I ever learned about house calls was when, when I was a kid, um, our uh, hot water went out and, uh, the, we, you know, couldn't figure it out. And we kind of, you know, when my dad, who liked to think of himself as handy, even if he wasn't, but he liked to think of it, um, he went out and fussed with it. And finally we ended up having to call a plumber out and the plumber, uh, you know, shows up, talks to my dad for two minutes. What did you do? What happened? Okay. He goes in, he, uh, opens up the panel on the water heater, pulls a specialized key out of his, his pouch, connects it to a little valve, turns the valve, flips the thing, thing flips back on. Okay. You should have hot water in a half hour and that'll be <laughs> like 200 bucks. Yeah. The key, man, like 200 bucks because you have this key and you drove out here. That and is how they I keep remember calculating. I'm like, uh, you were literally here for 90 seconds. What is the hourly rate on that? <laughs> it depends. Did you try turning it off and on again? I didn't. I was I was not actually the one involved, but I re- <laughs> I learned an important lesson that day, which is that uh, yeah, going to college is all good and well, but if you want to make the real money, you need to be, go into a trade. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, because people don't know how to do the stuff. Or they don't want to, which is yeah. also the case. No, knowing I deal with at times. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know, uh, what did this guy pay? He got paid. I mean, obviously there's travel costs and everything. So it, it, it averages out, but, but two minutes worth of work for, for what? Well, because he did something that we couldn't have two things. One, he had the right key and two, he knew that that particular little dongle was there on the water heater that you needed a key for and to turn it and he had the specialized knowledge we didn't have and he had the specialized equipment we didn't have and it seemed so ridiculous at the time like i can't believe he has that but you know what we went out we found uh you know at the hardware store we found that specialized key for six dollars and we never had to call him again for that <laughs> see you learn so he gave you knowledge it was just very expensive knowledge to have and i don't know how how, you see this stuff a lot but in our house the furnace the panel that opens to access it is uh right across from the water heater and there's maybe like two and a half feet in between it so that's a very tight squeeze i don't know why because on the other side of the furnace is nothing (laughs) it's all open it's like why 
Would you? That's that's the area for the gas to collect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why it was put in that way. I would have thought making the panel easily accessible would make sense because houses that have things set up like that, it's way easier to do the maintenance. You don't have to like try crawling between and a hot water heater, you know, can get hot. The pipes coming off that can get yeah, they're, warm. They're, and if your insulate, if your hot water heater is more than about ten years old, the insulation starts breaking down, and then the outer casing of it just gets warm. Yes, yeah, we need a new one. I'm sure that thing's at least over uh, ten years oh, old. I, it, I will recommend you check this sort of thing. Uh, I believe it was it was about four or five years ago. It was definitely before I started the show, or it would have made news on the show. Um, we had a situation where my wife was uh, about to go to work and she noticed that there wasn't much hot water in the shower, but didn't worry too much about it. And I was of course asleep. So I wake up to her saying, uh, Ryan, I really need you downstairs where there, there might be a problem downstairs. And I'm like, what? And we walked down into the basement and I'm in ankle deep warm water. Yeah. And bad. And I'm like, what happened? And, uh, you know, they, I, it didn't take long to realize, okay, well, this water is warm, right. which means it came from the, but, but I go in and, uh, what had happened was our water heater was about 15 years old. And, uh, depending on how clean the water is that comes in through the pipes in your house, you know, that this is entirely up to how well the city filters it and whether or not they've changed the, the municipal pipes in the last 150 years. Um, but it tends to get sediment in the water and uh, that sediment because the, um, you know, the water heaters, at least the conventional style ones are just a big tank. Right. Sediment, you know, the water goes still in there. And when the water gets still after traveling in a pipe, sediment will fall out of the water and end up in the bottom of the tank. And the tank itself is if effectively made of glass or some ceramic or something. And we had, a good 12 inches of sediment like rocks sitting in the bottom of this tank. And eventually it got heavy enough. It broke the glass and the bottom of the tank broke out and just dumped all over the basement floor. And we, you know, we go in there and here's the worst problem is uh, now the sensor inside of the hot water tank goes, well, the tank's not full. Let's pour some more water in. Right. Right. And then it goes right out the bottom. (laughs) So, yes, because it wants to be filled. Now, fortunately, we have a daylight basement. So I went over, I uh, opened the door and I pried off the bottom of the door jam and just suddenly river flowing out into the the patio out there. So that helped with it. But we ended up having to replace all the carpeting, all the couches, uh, the bottom 12 inches of drywall everywhere. It was a freaking mess. And yeah, all because I never paid any attention to whether or not a water heater was uh, something that you needed to check on. Yes. Pay attention to the appliances in your house. They can bite you in the ass. And if you don't know what you're doing, hire somebody to do it. And, it, and pay okay. them 200 bucks for two minutes worth of work. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's, I mean, look for the easy issue. And I know the, the water, the hot water tanks, you're supposed to empty those every now and then, but nobody ever remembers to do that. No, nobody remembers. And and now I know why it's important. Yes. You got to get that crap out. Otherwise, bad things will happen. That's why I like the idea of the new. If anybody is using one, I hear good things about the new hot water tanks, which don't actually hold water. They just they're not. So they're not really tanks. They heat up as you oh, need yeah, the hot the, water the on, on demand or whatever that is. Yes. Like that yeah. seems like a great idea. 
Yeah. I, if, if you're using electricity to heat the water, then what's the difference between heating it several hours beforehand and heating it immediately? You're still putting the same amount of power in. That's actually kind of makes sense. Yes. And leaving it hot um, all the time, although, all day, all night. That's questionable. Well, it's in, it's inefficient because yes. the, the heat leaks out. I mean, it, our hot water heater is one of the reasons why in the winter, the basement can be the warmest room in the house. Now, but when, when I, Mutter says drain a gallon a month, what, what do you mean by like a gallon? So shouldn't you drain the whole? I, I drain way more than that every time I shower. shower. Yes. But which is almost once a month. When you're not draining, I'm, I'm assuming that's not actually draining. When you use the hot water, that's probably not coming out of the bottom because the bottom's where the where the bad stuff is. But see, this is why research. I bet you there's a YouTube video that's like, moron, here's how to do the stuff with your hot water tank. Yeah. It's yeah. If you, if you go, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to go out and go uh, YouTube drain sediment from hot water tank. And you'll have videos of horrible things. Yes. Out the and bottom. Yep. YouTube is sense. still blocked in the pie hole. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Yes. Butter says out the bottom spigot. That's, uh, that's not a bad idea. I'll have to look at that. Uh, Right after the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, the trick in and this is something in newer houses, you'll actually find there's a, a a drain somewhere in the utility room that you can drain that into. Yes. We um do. if if you're screwed over by an older house, then you're sitting here going, Well, where do I drain this? Into a bucket. And, and then you take yeah. that bucket. And, and if you're lucky, <laughs> then your hot water is on some kind of stand so that you can get a bucket underneath that. In in my case, of course, the the hot water heater, the where it was um was sitting directly on the floor and there was about an inch and a half between the bottom of the spigot and the floor yeah you'd have to hook something up to it and then I, hope i'd water have to use a hose up yes <laughs> gravity anyway thing, of course but I so digress, homeowners yeah. homeownership made easy which by the way that that marks this as old anyway because modern people these days they all rent right and then they don't when this kind of stuff happens they just call the super and he's just like call ah. the super and you. and by the way, if you're looking for a really good exit strategy, go become a super and learn how to do all this <laughs> stuff. And you can be the guy that hundreds of millennials rely on because they have no idea how to do it. Right. And you can make a lot of money. As we've talked about, millennials don't even want to change light bulbs. They wait for help. So if you can do simple things as far as maintenance around an abode, you will be in really good shape. He'll be in really good shape, but uh, I did want to pull up one other thing, and that is, I made the mistake of clicking on something somebody dropped in the troll room, and oh, it never is, do that. It is uh, the official Coinye site, C O I N Y E, and uh, it's it's a Kanye coin, and <laughs> the image printed on the coin is something I cannot see. That's going to be with me in in my nightmares for a little while. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pull that up, but I mean, it's probably not as good of a coin to be fully vested in, but I mean, your mileage may vary. That could be the next big thing. It's hard to say, but if you're not in the troll room, when we do these shows live, which is just what we call the chat room, and that's at noagendastream.com, go in, troll along, take part during these live Grumpy Old Ben shows Monday and Friday at noon Eastern time. That's when all the fun happens and we do actually talk about tech and stories too not just we things do. going we wrong do. with our house we, well we tried to <laughs> and the stories there was a theme it's interesting every now and then when the theme begins to appear over a bunch of different sites with a bunch of different stories and the theme that i found 
that has been going strong over the last two or three days is the UK is really in trouble with a whole lot of things going on that. Oh, yeah. Are going to make life. I, I don't even know what the story is about. And I already know. I already agree. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you think things are bad in the United States for those of I you do. in the UK. And there's a lot of grumpy old Ben's listeners out there. Uh, I feel bad. These, this story came from Breitbart, but I've seen this in other places as well. The UK government is going to force social media, new law being passed, going to force social media firms to purge any content. Yeah. That would be, quote, illegal on the street in the UK. Again, you you already had me at they're going to force social media. I'm like, okay, somebody in government is being too authoritarian and making bad decisions. Well, and it's interesting because the nice folks over in Poland and Hungary and there were other countries that were jumping on board. They were dealing with this in the positive aspect, saying you cannot block or censor our citizens if the content is legal in our yeah. country and the uk is like no way if you can't get naked on the street you can't have porn on the internet well that well yeah we talked about porn in the uk before and what they tried to do there and it failed miserably because that was all like well pay five dollars and register to view porn and people are like no i'd rather not because yeah, or, vast, or we'll just <laughs> or i'll just hook up a vpn thanks well yeah no, well a vast majority of the sites aren't based in the uk anyway so the concept that the UK, this is the same thing with this story and social media, the UK saying uh, social media, whichever social media that may be, has to do something. Social media is going to be like pound salt. We don't care. There's we don't we don't need you. Uh, yeah. I mean, what what's what's the UK have about uh, what? 30, 40 million people at most. That sounds I, about right. Let's see. Population. I, so if, if the I mean. If we're talking less than the population of Canada, then and and everybody knows Canada doesn't matter. Then sixty-eight what, I mean, million. Oh, okay. So more than I thought, but it's still, I okay. You know, that's that's an amount that that you probably want to pay attention to. But if if Mark Zuckerberg goes out and and the UK is like, ha, huh, you can't show pictures of Mark Zuckerberg because he's not human. Right. And be like, okay, well, you know, we don't really need you anymore because we already own all of your citizens anyway. Well, it's kind of what we saw going on in Australia, which was a game of chicken between the government and big tech. And I don't think those things are going to stop anytime soon. I think we're about no. to see them rolling on. Well, after after Google and Facebook both. Uh, gave in and and put up with the Australia's demands of of pay us for our state run media, which is a terrible precedent. Yes, um, the, uh, governments all over the world are going to be now emboldened to start saying, "Hey, social media, you need to you know put up with this restriction or do this." Um, what what bothers me about this is is what you I think you called the the reversal where you know. You have governments in Europe saying, don't censor, don't block things. And the UK is coming out and saying, really, we want you to block things, block all the things. Yeah. And it, I mean, one of the themes we've had on this show uh, quite a lot is, um, is social media should never be blocking things or, you know, it definitely should not be blocking things at the level that they are doing. And that uh, when, you know, when social media decides to censor otherwise free speech, 
then they need to be routed around. And my recommendation is always, well, go to some kind of open source distributed type of thing. And, uh, I, I just, I mean, how are, okay. They can, they, UK can enforce this with Facebook, but how are they going to enforce it with Mastodon? How are they going to enforce it with any of these really? Because how do you know that the person posting something, I mean, I guess, on Facebook, it's easier because you say where yeah. you are, but somebody well, I mean, on Twitter even, well, if you don't divulge that you're in the UK, how does Twitter know that the person posting something in the UK that's illegal there is in the UK? Well, well you have geolocation to of everybody. IP address. No, that doesn't doesn't work. We all know that it, it doesn't work, but that doesn't keep people from and Twitter uh, would have to give from them trying. that information and Twitter would be like, oh, yeah, sure. We'll give you that. Yeah, well, they're not they're not particularly incentivized. But of course, if it's a UK government, they'll just come out and say, well, we'll we'll try to get you even harder. The uh, not sure sure what they can do. The UK has a culture secretary and his name is Oliver Dowden. He said the most important provision of that is to make what's illegal on the street illegal online and to make sure that social media companies have proper regimes in place to remove illegal content. If they don't comply, though, this is the intriguing part. If they fail to police what they're calling this online hate speech, they will face fines of up to 10% of their global revenue. So they're going to base the fines based upon how much money the company is making. So, I mean, how many billions of dollars uh, does Facebook make? Do oh, okay. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is that Mastodon is totally safe. It's yeah. like every time you violate, we're going to have to give you money right? because you're losing it. Yes. We're going to find you 10% of your global revenue. And they're like, well, shit, I'm but losing like a thousand dollars a day. So <laughs> can you give me some cash. That'd be you know, cool. this almost feels like a regulatory capture. I know. Uh, a, because um, Facebook and Twitter, uh, it, uh, one, one of the reasons why the, the we can't do it argument doesn't work, especially with Facebook, but to a lesser extent, Twitter as well, is that they have spent a large portion of the last two or three years building up the systems for coming up with, you know, the, the reporting systems and the automated detection and throwing AI at things and, and discover looking at a picture of a sandy desert and deciding that it's born and, and, and a huge, huge banks of, of people to whom they're giving PTSD by asking them to review material. And they've got these systems in place. And now the UK is like, well, you've got those systems. You're going to have to use them for us. And I don't, you know, I don't think that Facebook, especially, but I don't think Facebook and Twitter who have put themselves in a position of claiming, Hey, we can censor things that we want right. are not going to have a leg to stand on when the UK comes out and says, well, okay, then you can also censor things that we want because they can't turn around and say, we can't, right. they're, they're going to have to try. And then they're going to get fined every single time that they fail because it's actually an impossible task. Well, and it's also an impossible task because you have people using these media sites from all over the world. So what is legal to say in the UK or illegal to say in the UK is not illegal in the United States or wherever. Oh, the international part is crazy. Yes. Trying to police these international sites, thinking that everything is somehow blocked off. It, this at some point, sadly enough, it seems like this is all going to come down to Facebook's going to or Twitter. Whoever wants to do business in the UK is going to have to block everybody 
and have just like a special little section of Facebook and Twitter for just UK people who can never communicate with anybody outside of the UK because and, and it and if that's going to happen, why you don't even brand it Facebook at this point? You'd be like, this is the you know, this is Brit book. Right. Because how else do you do this? If it's legal for something to be said, let's just say in the United States. Well, when somebody from the UK accesses that social media site, can they see that? Because it's legal in the United States. Can they see legal speech from other? Co- no, this is going to be a very interesting concept because you would think as a government, if you're trying to block speech that is illegal, well, it wouldn't just be from people in your country. You wouldn't even want people in your country to see it. And that's where this is all going to get even more messy than it is. They said that the bill, this according to the conservative MP of the UK, it's unlikely to introduce a blanket ban on online anonymity. Well, sure it is. Uh, uh-huh. Well, that's still where they want to go. He did say they're alarmed by the sort of misogyny we see online perpetrated by the anonymous troll. See trolls. You see what you're doing? He, yeah. He admits. How dare you trolls? Good work. Keep it up. He admits that there are benefits to having anonymity online saying, for example, if you are looking to flee domestic for, violence for, or for, if. If you're a teenager exploring your sexuality, you don't want others to know about it. These are legitimate grounds for preserving anonymity. And I'm like, wait, you want teenagers online (laughs) exploring your sexuality? How how about how about this legitimate use for for uh, anonymity? If you are a, a political dissident uh whose government is authoritarian and will persecute you and decide to make you not exist if they can figure out who you are that's a really good reason for anonymity and uh oh oh i'm sorry i'm not really i'm painting with a pretty wide brush uk but that's you (laughs) yeah that's exactly what they're doing i just thought this was a very strange example for this guy to come up with for a benefit of being anonymous is you're a teenager exploring your sexuality online anonymously it's like what is what does that mean exactly yeah the reason why uh, i i i thought this was regulatory capture by the way is uh because suppose that that this set of rules does go into place then uh facebook theoretically you can't they can at least pay lip service to the point where the regulators will look at and be like well they're trying and that's really i mean that's that's all they're doing with gdpr um that why would they any other regulation be different um you know twitter can go out and and kind of try to to kowtow to these new demands but uh company who is just trying to start up uh you know somebody trying to put up a forum uh somebody putting out uh you know grumpy old bens dot social which if i keep using that as a hypothetical uh social network we're gonna have we're gonna have to start actually making it but um a small competitor to these things will never be able to navigate this idiotic regulatory system where they say, well, you know, I, I know that you only have a thousand users, but if one of them ever posts something bad, we're going to completely kill you. Uh, okay. Well then uh, you're never going to get a social network that isn't Facebook or Twitter. That means they get no competition in those places. If they can do it, that's regulatory capture. That's probably the most insidious unintended consequence of most of these regulations that get put in they always start for good reason and then they end up working for the company they were trying to regulate well it's all 
for the children, for the protection. And uh, Breitbart made the oh, connection. Fuck the children. That- <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. That's a different podcast. Uh, but Breitbart, the article made the connection between a new law that went into effect in January in the UK for broadcasters and saying this is basically bringing the same kind of thing in January. The regulator in the UK, Ofcom, broadened the definition of hate speech to include transgender intolerance and political or any other opinion. So that's bullshit again. Yes. That says that the updated guidance uh, mandates that broadcasters refrain from airing, quote, all forms of expression which spread, incite, promote or justify hatred based on intolerance on the grounds of disability, ethnicity, social origin, gender, sex, gender reassignment, nationality, race, religion or belief, sexual orientation, color, genetic features, language, political or any other option, membership of a national minority, property, birth or age. So you better not say anything in the UK. Yeah, I, it, it sounds like, you know, what free speech they never really had is going away. Yeah, What can you say about somebody as a as a person that does not hit on one of those things? You, you can say good morning and then duck and run away. <laughs> right. How dare you wish me a good morning, sir? How do you know I want to have one? It's It's not a recommendation. It's an observation. Yeah, this is You're gonna have to prove in a court of law that this morning was not good in order to convict me. <laughs> I mean, if you're in the UK and you have any more it might input, not be. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you may not be able to reach out to us for long, so feel free to do so now. I'm just curious. Um I mean, one, the fact that the people that are broadcasting are under these rules and they're soon going to bring this, it appears, to normal citizens on social media that I don't know. You could say anything when you use these very generic words like incite or promote or justify like, well, everything intolerant. Yeah. The hell does that word mean? Yeah. Based on intolerance. It's like, as we've talked about it, when it comes to the transgender thing, I don't believe either one of us are intolerant of people that are transgender. We do believe that if you're a child, I mean, 12 years old, you probably shouldn't be getting surgery or changing your body well, in an extreme I, way. That's I mean, if, if if you're a 12 year old child, then you actually have no freaking idea what the rest of your life is going to be like. That's a characteristic of children. Right. And making a decision like that is, is a really huge decision that you're not competent to make at 12 years old and taking the time to actually have that conversation in a reasonable and rational manner would no doubt fall afoul of this new intolerance law with the uk and it's coming to the united states which is also one of the reasons why it's worthy of talking about this oh yeah and getting it, a little you know we, the united states is is a little bit has a little bit of a benefit because of the first amendment but uh right now the their congress is is busy trying to take an axe to the second amendment and once that one falls the other ones go pretty quickly yeah having the firearms is an important way to keep the government in check but in the UK, also Oxford University, which up until very recently, I would look at Oxford as like, hey, well, well this it's is reputable. Yes, very oh. reputable. Not only up that, until very recently, but one of the top universities in the world. And they are now thinking in their music department of scrapping sheet music. You can probably already guess why they want to scrap sheet music. 
Uh, is it because of COVID? It's because of white supremacy. Oh, well, you can't just like print print black ink on on black paper and call that equitable. Sheet music is based in white supremacy. Don't you know? It's complicit in colonialism. It's got its roots there. It's complicity in white supremacy. Yeah. You know what else was invented by whites? Sanitation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, this is this is comes down to that very slippery slope again that rational people can have conversations about but other people can't because things have turned into that on or off that black and white thing which is okay i'll admit that abraham lincoln wasn't a perfect president but i think he did a lot of good for the african-american community that's now being turned on its head because well you know he he killed a bunch of indians and it's like well i yeah but th- I, there was I just war. don't i just <laughs> don't understand this frame of mind at all the guy the guy who invented the toilet was a guy by the name of thomas crapper not kidding <laughs> and not now you sounded like joe biden with the not kidding not a joke yeah. not a joke well, he, I, no, I only said that because that totally sounds like a joke and it actually is the guy um he was white does that mean that everybody who hates whiteness now has to go out and, and use an outhouse yes. because they can't use a toilet because it's a not only that, but the porcelain is white. The toilet is a sign of white supremacy through and through. How can you possibly use that and still be anti-racist? I would like to point out that I have a black toilet. Oh, oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Right. Is that this? This this changes everything. <laughs> right, it, it's all goes down to the uh, and the wife didn't want it. It's down in the uh, in, the, in the main area here, and it well, it's a nice black uh, um, you know countertop made out of you know marble or whatever stone it is. It's a black sink, and it's like, well, you can't throw a white toilet then next to all of that, and the black toilet looks awesome. It's, you just blew my mind. You just shattered all my preconceptions all at once. I I don't even. The world doesn't even make sense anymore. Didn't even. You didn't know they made black toilets. They make toilets in different colors I, I, now. I don't. I I I can't. I literally can't even. <laughs> like, how is this even possible? Now, so the question yeah. is: Is this is this anti-white supremacy to have a black toilet, or would this be looked as like, well, you now you're, you're you you don't like blacks, so that's why you got a black toilet. It's like, no, it looks awesome. That's why I got it. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's the I, that's cultural appropriation is what it is. But so then any black people that have white porcelain toilets are also appropriating somebody else's. No, that's just anti-racism. Oh, I see that. So they're not complicit in the white toilet tree. And the issue. people in the troll room are now calling for you to take photos of this toilet and post it on NAS. <laughs> Hopefully not during the show. Right. Like there's only so much I can do to keep my coffee down. Like you've got a, you've got a what? It's like no, it's awesome. I mean, they do make toilets and other besides colors, besides white and biscuit, which I mean was another one that's been around for a long biscuit. time. I mean, I've seen the inside of the toilet painted with biscuits, but that was after <laughs> heavy drinking. Yeah, you shouldn't do that. But there are the the world has changed now. There's these new toilets. There was one Kohler. I don't know if it ever made the show. I had a link that was on the list for a while to talk about because it was kind of a tech story. We had never gotten to it, but it was a uh, a Kohler toilet with all of the uh, all of the tech that I think you could throw into a toilet. It was like twenty thousand dollars. Are we are we talking are we talking smart toilets? Does this yes. should have Wi-Fi? I mean, it has to. It had to have everything. Because, Is there an app? Yeah, oh, of course. I mean, you could probably use the app 
while you're sitting on the throne to do whatever it is you have to do, which is actually uh, the the one the one up. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with my toilet being dumb, but I just want to point out maybe this one has it so you can tell me about it. But I want the what the hell's the thing that uh, that like the add on to a toilet, the, the one thing that hardly even exists in america but is so much better than toilet paper where it sprays water up your butthole ah, when you're bidet, done yes. the bidet, yeah the bidet, yes it's french bidet yeah yeah oh it's not bidet no no that would uh it would be a bidet it's, it sits there and sprays water up yeah never mind yeah okay let's see hey, does it have one of those uh let's see here the intelligent toilet doesn't technically have any smart home integrations. It is pretty jam-packed with extra features at a lower price than the company's previous intelligent toilets. It includes a heated seat, auto opening and closing, a remote, as well as a personal bidet function. So there you go. A personal bidet function. Yes. 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 And they say you can install the toilet yourself. Thanks to DIY friendly ready lock design. So, okay, this one wasn't bad. This was only a $3,100 toilet. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so the other features that I've seen put into or recommended for quote unquote smart bathroom, does it have any kind of tie in with uh, analysis and uh, nutritional? Like, I have seen smart toilet, I haven't personally seen, thank God, but uh, smart toilets that connect to an app and they'll analyze your output and try to decide whether or not you need more fiber or something. That is the nicest way to possibly put it analyze your output. <laughs> Uh, no, this doesn't have that, but I have seen those. I have, I don't know who makes those, but, uh, I mean, I, this is where medical technology is going along with the big brother aspect, which is both fantastic, like a lot of tech. It's both fantastic and terrifying. It's great that it can monitor such things and be like, Hey, uh, you should go see somebody. We think you might have cancer as opposed to. The government being able to access this information will be like, you know, it seems like you're drinking way too much. So we're going to do this. We're going to take away your license because it seems like you're, you know. Yeah, that actually ties into one of the stories that I brought. Uh, This one was was passed along to me by Billy Bones, uh, Sir Billy Bones of a Walk Through the Mind podcast. I like Uh, that show. Yes, it's a good show. For one thing, he knows how to get to the point and then quit talking <laughs> within about 20 minutes, which uh, it's called mean, an intro. We, yeah, we can't even finish our intro in 20 minutes, but he's, he's gotten pretty good at that. Um, he sent along a, a list of uh, uh, there was a report that came out from the, quote, police executive research forum. Uh, who came up with a list of high priority requirements going forward for self-driving car technology. Um, and I, I was conflicted on it. The, the article that, that he sent me along was pretty anti cop for everything about it. And I'm not nearly going to take that stance, but there's certainly some things that worry me. Um, among the high priority needs were uh, vehicles will need law enforcement authorization to run in automated mode. Um, that law enforcement can communicate with vehicles in automated mode, um, that any, uh, you know, cars have always had the, the, you know, data recorder, the black box in the car, but, uh, on, uh, any car that is driven by a computer, there's a hell of a lot more data because they can tell everything, all the sensors, the, 
the traffic cameras and all the way around. And they say that police need to, to have a way to get that data recorded from every car at the scene of an accident, including the ones that just drove by and left. They need to, you know, a way to identify that a car was at the scene of the accident so they can pull all of the camera feeds from that so they can see what was going on. Um, it, I don't know. It, license plate readers are, are, are the infancy of this technology. There's just, there's some concerns to be had, um, about this. Um, I mean, the, the first question really that I have is, uh, is new, new requirements around, um, around law enforcement and self-driving cars. It's going to change everything about driving on the roads. And I think that a lot of people are not prepared for this and it's going to be really messy. Uh, the first question is, uh, are, are we, when we make a regulation, are we making it for safety or for money? Um, one interesting stat that I pulled up is, uh, that, approximately 60% of the small municipalities around the country get uh 50% or more of their city revenue from traffic fines and traffic tickets. Right. Um in fact uh the the same article said that uh New York City, the the biggest small town in America, um gets up to 80% of its reven- revenue from traffic fines. If all cars go automated, what happens? Do we stop giving tickets? You have to. Um, and, and if you, if you do give tickets, who do you give them to? Um, right. right now, it's obvious you give it to the operator, but what happens when there's no steering wheel and everyone's a passenger? Yeah, that do makes you, things a little different. There's no, you, there is no I mean, money to blame you, except the car. You, you find, yeah, but okay, do you blame the car, but who's that? Do you find the owner? No. Do you find the, the manufacturer? The coder. You, you know, for, <laughs> Uh, for, for like a fleet of taxis, you can find the, the company that's operating the fleet, but I, I don't know. So, um, I, I mean, it, it, it took me down, uh, just a, a number of issues that I wasn't sure how to handle. Uh, Waymo, for example, um, has issued their police interaction protocol, which is the Waymo self-driving cars. Now, this is during the test phase. We don't know if this is going to change, but I don't know that it's going to change for the better. Um, Waymo cars are designed to pull over automatically and, uh, when they see flashing lights behind them. So they're, they're designed to try to detect that. That sounds pretty good. That's what everybody's supposed to do. But at the same time, they will also automatically unlock all the doors and roll down the windows. God help you if it's raining. Um, <laughs> well, I, yeah. I mean, this is the issue with cars. They've always had the ability with the newer cars to do an electrical pulse or something that would shut the engine down and try to get the car to pull over there. If, if they have, if they have Wi-Fi or, you know, or otherwise connected online, but this is where you're going with these types of connected vehicles are in when the police, I mean, are the police cars that are going to be chasing you? Well, they're going to be automated too. So there's that. It's not a question of, if they will be able to access your car's systems, there's, I don't think there's any question that this is going to be a part of what is baked into this. So even at this point, before everybody is automated driving, when we're still at the point to where 
it's driver assist where the machines take over every now and then, but somebody's still behind a wheel and can take control. Well, those systems are still going to be connected enough to where if you're a criminal, that's not your getaway car, because once they figure out what car you're in, they can drive your car safely. I mean, forget just stopping the car. They can now take control of your car and you're just a passenger. Another fun gem in the police interaction protocol with Waymo is that they actually have a they have a 24 hour hotline uh, dedicated to allowing police fire first responders to talk to the Waymo's call center who can then remotely control and shut down the car. One of the scenarios they talk about is if it was a getaway car, then the car could just lock all the doors and drive to the police station because nobody's going to be, you know, try to knock out a window or anything. (laughs) You wouldn't be at that point, but. I can try to knock the friggin' window out. Yeah. Becomes but, a hell of a ride at that point, though. There, I mean, there's 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 a lot, you know, there's always the 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 trolley problem that everybody poses when they talk about self-driving cars, which is a totally contrived problem that I, I reject. It's Kobayashi Maru, and I like Kirk's solution. But um there there's a number of of real solid questions that once once you get to a point where there's no human directly in control of a moving vehicle uh progo in the troll room says uh finding someone to blame for a traffic violation by an ai is easier than finding ai cars actually violating laws and um i'm I'm not really sure that's true uh on the one hand um you know, there are a lot of people who are going exactly the speed limit and get pulled over anyway because uh, you know, a small town needs their revenue. Or you're I'm driving that's black right. in the wrong town. Yeah, I'm, or, or, or that. I, there's um, uh, Maybe that's a problem. Maybe it isn't. Maybe, you know, but even if you take something like, uh, you know, a human corruption out of the equation, um, there's always going to be the possibility of bugs. So, you know, if, if looking at every other story we've ever covered on this podcast means anything, there will be software bugs. There will be glitches. There will be uh, something goes wrong or there will be situations that you just don't account for because it's really freaking hard to account for every possible situation. It, it's going to happen at some point. Now, will it be common? No, probably not. But then there's the other question right now. Uh, every self-driving car has a button. That says, no, I want to take over driving. Well, then how do you know you were driving or not? Um, and then, uh, you know, there's there's the next question is uh, the uh, assuming that all AI cars will uh, automatically follow every traffic law completely precludes, you know, not only software bugs and glitches, but also hackers. Uh, right. Also, uh, any case where, you know, m- maybe somebody. Maybe somebody hacks into the cars. Maybe you've managed to lock down the cars really well and somebody just performs a a, uh, a social attack on the Waymo call center and manages to get them to override the car for you and hand you the keys to that. And now you can drive the car somewhere to kidnap people. Um, There's so many scenarios. And I guess what I'm saying is we're we're not really ready for this. You know, uh, oh, I talked about the the black boxes. those things are a gold mine for insurance companies. But how many of you really, really trust your insurance company? Um, you got, you know, there, there's a number of insurance companies now that are already putting in their service. Like, uh, if you get in a wreck, you are contractually obligated to give us the uh, black box data from your car. And uh, that's not necessarily a huge deal, but suddenly if the car starts, uh, trying to, 
it, you know, what, what happens when you're sitting in the passenger seat of the car, but the car decided it suddenly smells marijuana on you and decides to send that to an insurance company who sends it off to your local police who they'll now arrest you for because you happen to be in one of those places where it's not legal yet or so. I don't know. I wasn't driving, I, man. I was, just, <laughs> I was just sitting here, man. Well, there, there, there have been cases where people have been, uh, uh, pulled over have been cited for driving under the influence DUI when they know they're drunk and they just climb into the passenger seat of the car for a nap to sleep it off. Cause where are you going to sleep it off? If you can't drive home, say you got too drunk at the bar, you can't drive home. People will go in and try to nap it off in the passenger seat of the car and have been cited for DUI, even though they weren't in the driver's seat and they never, th- this has happened. Oh yeah. And, and well, the biggest case recently was the incident, the accident of tiger woods, where they did get the black box in the vehicle. It was a very tech heavy vehicle. And while they're not charging him with anything, the story came out that the vehicle's data recorder showed he did nothing to try to prevent what happened, which would lead you to believe he fell asleep at the wheel, which this is going to be a very easy way for insurance companies to start blaming the user rather than paying out. Yeah. And insurance companies are absolutely incentivized to come up with any excuse they possibly can to not pay out. And the more data you give them, the more chance they have. Now, I'm not saying that all insurance company people are inherently corrupt. I'm sure that there are probably one or two somewhere out there that aren't. But you give them more data, they're going to have more opportunities if they're corrupt to deny your claim. And it, it, it just, I mean, there's, there are things to think about there. I, I don't I don't have really good solution. I, I do have a solution, but it's not going to be one that's popular. Uh, there was uh, there was another incident uh, with the the EDR, the black box, um, where the it was uh, it was in Mountain View. It was the operator of the car. Um, there there was a crash under self driving conditions. The operator of the car quote barely touched the steering wheel for thirty seven minutes prior to the crash. And the NTHSA used that information to determine that this was obviously operator error. I'm not even sure how that works. If he didn't touch the steering wheel, how was he at, but okay. If if the AI was working, then it, it was AI error. If the AI was in control, if the AI wasn't in control, then the operator was supposed to be, I, I but you're supposed to take control back from the vehicle. When you realize okay, then we don't have AI yet. situation. Yes. Okay, oh, then, yes. then, you know, the next question is, how do we make the switch? How do we right. go from from having a car where there is the presumption that somebody is sitting in the driver's seat, awake, aware, paying attention and grabbing the wheel at a moment's notice, even though they've been lulled into self-driving for so long? You know, and this, by the way, gets far worse, the better AI that the self-driving gets, because the number of situations where a driver has to take the wheel will go down to almost nothing. And then pretty soon you're doing your normal commute every single day. And the chance of recognizing that a situation needs your attention is almost nil. If it's been three weeks since you've had to. Right. Um, and then who gets sued when and, there's a deadly accident? And uh, I mean, and I, how do we make the transition from there to no, I am just a passenger. I just happen to be sitting in the front left seat of the car. Uh, you know, how do if we want 
fully autonomous vehicles. We've got to make that transition, but there's a lot of things that have to transition at once. One, we, you know, AI has to get better. Two, right. we have to start presuming the AI is responsible and not expecting somebody to take the wheel and take over for AI. Well, and there's also we- the fact that as this changeover is happening, it's going to have a big combination on the road of computer controlled vehicles and human control. There's no yeah, way it won't happen all at once. You can't, you know, where it's like, okay, today everything has to be computer driven. That's I mean, not- for, for, for no other reason than, you know, the first thing they would have to do if they want to move that all over is okay. On this day, it is now illegal to drive any car older than 2015. Yep. Well, Biden's and, already trying to do that's that. The, with well, I'm sure cars. he is. But but Biden's doing a lot of things that are authoritarian and unconstitutional. And I'm really trying to just ignore all of the bullshit he's pulling, because I'm I'm just hoping that if there's still if there's still anybody on the U.S. Supreme Court who has even fucking read the Constitution, I'm really hoping that one of them starts to go, you know, actually, you can't do all of this without Congress. Yeah, that would be. And nice. He has Congress, but it'll slow the process down. Well, not if they get rid of the filibuster, baby. That's that's racist too, you know. <laughs> uh, of course it is. But I digress. <laughs> One of the arguments used in the self-driving vehicle thing is, well, you know, planes are much more complex, and, and they've had computers like flying them for a long time. And there's still a human at the front of the plane who's responsible for everything it does. Right, and not only that, but there's a whole industry. With air traffic control that keeps all said vehicles way far away from each other. This isn't an expressway. Yeah. Where- there's a lot. Well, it be and and that, by the way, could never work if you had personal planes. Well, you're right. Part part of the reason that that can work is because the number of planes that are allowed to go up is prohibitively low. If if plane if, if there was no atc if there was no uh o- overarching government board trying to regulate everything that happened in the air then uh, there's the chance that by now uh personal flying planes would would be you know i mean you can always go out and buy a cessna but you right. have to park it at a at an airstrip and you have to follow you have to license it and you have to spend you, you know let them know when you're of- taking off and where you're yeah. going and but if 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 planes got to the point where I had a little, you know, if, if I had a VTOL in my driveway and I could just, you know, have it go hover up 30 feet and then take off horizontally and everybody could do that, there would be so many things in the air. Well, for one thing, there would be collisions all the time and air travel wouldn't be as safe as they say it is. But um, I, I think it'd be more free and also a lot more dangerous. A pile of dead Cessnas at every windmill says Broco. That was, <laughs> yeah, those windmills, baby. You got to watch you, out well, for those. That depends. That depends on how how you hit it. Some of those things, I mean, they can be kind of fragile. You could. Or They're no, all made of fiberglass, you know. You could just disintegrate. But this is the you, you could, or yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I can't get that image out of my head now. Yeah, I know because you've seen like the big windmill farms too, where it's just really like you're like flying towards it. Like, oh, we should probably turn now. You know, this looks like a bunch of really. Yeah. Like it's like diving yourself into the. No, no. Let me disposal. see if I can time it. Yeah, I can, I can get right there. I know I'm good. I, it's like playing putt putt golf. I can get between yeah. the, the arms of the whatever they call the things on windmills. The arms. What do you call those? I don't, I don't know. Um, the slats, whatever. There is there a is there a technical name for those things on a windmill? 
Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> Neither one of us know what it is. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know it. And I totally am blanking on it. So I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with it. A blade. A blade. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Midas. <laughs> yeah, see, he's he's a nerd, but he knows what he's doing. That's why people yeah. go and see, I knew to that Friday. Yeah, I I, I I I haven't had enough coffee. Okay, and a blade will just me. cut your plane into a bunch of little pieces, like a Ginsu knife going through. That <laughs> might be why they call it a blade. Uh huh. It, it may be. And this, it's it's a great concept, and we've talked about it a little bit in the past. As somebody with crappy eyes, oh man, this is life changing. To be able to get in a vehicle and just be like, hey, take me here without worrying about like, you know, I'm not going to yeah. see something. Well, and I'm, we we have that. They're called taxis. Yeah. I mean, there's another person. At the, right. You have to you have to have a person Uber. So driving Miss Daisy. I would never do an Uber. I don't know. People do those things. I, lots of people do. I know it's happened. Remember, remember when we were kids, your parents told you a couple things like never get into a car with a stranger. I mean, yeah, but they I mean, they but our parents grew up in the time where uh, hitchhiking was very common. And every year, year there were stories of a couple hitchhikers who got in and end up, ended up, you know, raped in Peoria. And like I was trying to get to San Diego. Yeah. You always wind up in Peoria. I don't know why. I, yeah. Or Gary or somewhere that I mean, there's places that you just don't go. Oh, yeah, You certainly don't want to go to Gary, Indiana. That's uh, not a place yeah. you want to go spend your summers. I can tell you. But it's not a place that I was planning on spending any time at all. If your automatic so, vehicle takes you there, though, boom. Now what? I, it's the, that's like I said, if, if I'm going to be getting into an automated vehicle, I'm going to be carrying one of those glass breaking things with me. <laughs> yep. Got it. My key. <laughs> have one on your keychain. That is a very yeah, good idea. I, you know, they they say to have one like in case you accidentally drive into a lake or something just so you can get out before you drown. Right. That's a, hu- a huge benefit. But uh, you it's going to the next need for it is going to be what if your self-driving automated car decides to lock all your windows and try to drive you to a, a police station or or a hacker gets to it and it tries to drive you to the industrial district where you're going to be worked over. You know what? I I I jump out the tailpipe. That was. Yeah, the hacker so. concept is the most worrisome. I, and, and it's it's a thing, you know, they they. I, I bring up hackers. The article actually brought up what if a terrorist got a hold of it, which I think is kind of the same thing. It's oh, yeah. just a matter of what do you want to do with it? Uh, but also, um, you know, it's not just if, oh, if there's a car thief locked inside, why they, like I said, if there's a political dissident locked inside, then maybe, you know, the, the situation might be exactly the same from the perspective of the, the person who has the ear of the Waymo call center, but might not be something that's morally right anymore. Well, this Anyways, is also I, not something that you'll want to be on the wanted list because, you know, the cars are all going to have cameras to see who's sitting in the vehicle. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that yeah, that's another thing the article really pulls talks about is uh, that that uh, now that every in order to have fully automated AI cars, we cars need to have huge arrays of cameras looking every single direction. And suddenly, you know, if, if that information is stored anywhere, it's subpoenaable. And that means that that the roads are going to be a huge surveillance network, even more so than they are now, where you have nothing resembling privacy. And if you're, you know, if if you've withdrawn cash because, you know, somebody in in, in at MasterCard decided to cancel you, then they're going to have access to a huge network of information where they can now figure out where you are and cancel you everywhere you go. And I, I don't know if that scenario makes sense, but 
I had two conclusions. Yeah, they're all coming. I mean, they're all not as not as crazy and implausible as they were just a few years ago. Yeah, people have called me a conspiracy theorist for years, but at this point, it's really not that difficult to draw a line to some of the crazy conspiracy theories that that used to be, oh, they'd never do that. And you're like, excuse me, can you look at the last year? Tell me they'd never do this again. (laughs) Um, If we can get to the utopia of everybody using AI vehicle, an automated vehicle. Um, some things will have to change and getting there is the first problem because again, the, you know, the transition will be really rough, especially the part where we've got a combination of AI cars and manual cars on the road. But if we can get to that point, you know, the, the place where all tech heads always imagine and the place where I think Progo was coming from when he said that AI cars will never break the law, um, is the idea that, uh, well, all cars can be trusted to be coded correctly, to be, uh, fully autonomous. Nobody's allowed to drive themselves anymore. All of the cars obey all speed, uh, speed and traffic laws. Um, for one thing, people would never own cars again. Um, we're getting we there too. Yeah, we are. Uh, well, nobody wants people own nothing and they're happy. That's that's the way we're where we're getting these days. Um, we don't need cops. We we certainly don't need traffic cops. We might need a couple of, of administrators to you know watch the stand in the traffic center and watch cameras. But um, if we ever get that, you know, first of all, that I mean, that assumes a bunch of things like uh, like perfect code, like no hackers, like uh, the people running the system are trustworthy. I don't I I think those are all insurmountable, but let's say we get there. Um, I'm still not sure that's where I want to be, because one of the things about it is that if you can get to that point, then uh, your car, which you, you would still be expected to buy your own car, which means pay your own money for it. And uh, but it's not your car. And the reason it's not your car is because it's working for the police, the insurance company and Elon Musk and not for you. Um, if we. I don't know. I I am like with you know, be, being a Luddite, like with many technologies, I'm skeptical. And I don't want to go into an age of AI cars unless when I quote unquote purchase a car, it's mine. It works for me. And that means that it makes decisions that I would make for it. Um, the The reason why I'm not really willing to go for an automated car right now is that I don't trust the current batch of cars because nobody's talking about this. I don't trust the current batch of cars to make the decisions that I want them to make. I I don't trust them not to make decisions on my behalf that are against my interests. Right. And it, it, I mean, we, we've, come up with a bunch of scenarios that that you may or may not agree with there's uh you know there's the what if i'm a bank robber there's the uh you know do what what if there's a what if there happens to be a corrupt cop and i know most cops are great people and i i know i sound hard on them but they they're also people so there's always the chance uh what what if a hacker gets in what if uh well, yeah. you know somebody somebody social engineers an attack on the Waymo call center and convinces them that i just robbed a bank and i i mean there's i guess 
where I'm coming from is here's what's going to be needed in order for autonomous AI cars to work. And, and it's going to be very difficult to get there. Um, it has to be mine. And that means two things. One, um, I have to be able to override its decisions. And two is that I have to be able to change the software if I want, which might mean open source. It definitely means that what, what Tesla has now where the, everything is completely proprietary and your car just phones home every five minutes and checks to see if there's a software update that will completely disable the car. That needs to not be the case. Um, if it's my car, it needs to be mine. And I treat my car. I, I would think that that's even more important than my software where I have to be able to control what's going on now in that world. You can't get rid of police because there's always going to be some jackhole who reprograms their car to be a total dick on the road. And then you're kind of where we are right now, where you still need people enforcing traffic laws. Well, no, they'll all be automated. So you'll just get a ticket in the mail and they'll know exactly who you are. You know, you're right. With as many cameras as out there, we don't need police on the road. Yeah, not for traffic tickets. Yeah. Okay. So maybe this could work. But I guess. You you can't. I mean, in 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 the world where I want to live, I have control over my car, and you have control over your car, and Progo has control over his car. And while it might make sense in most cases to just accept the package from the manufacturer, you should never be coerced into running exactly their software. Because, well, first of all, what if they have a bug? And second, what if they're assholes? Um, I need to be able to put my own software i need to be able to put open source in i need to go out and be able to get uh you know lineage os for my tesla and install it on the car yeah but and then that can all be hacked i mean the github one of the repositories was you just think hacked. That, you think that tesla's official stuff can never be hacked no i believe it can but that's also the issue that uh you have too many open it's, ways it's for software and it's software but even the hardware involved the amount of sensors involved in what these cars are doing i mean look at my idiotic furnace it was a under ten dollar part that wasn't letting it turn on because it didn't think that there was flame when there was i understand in these cars they will build multiple sensors in so there's a path to at least yeah, if there's the, a failure but what something happens? will always fail right and especially cars the the road is a very demanding area where uh you know modern cars today even the newest ones require constant maintenance and if you don't take your car in and you ignore the notifications that it pops up on your phone that are like it's been 10 miles you need to kick your car in again then um, yeah, there are going to be maintenance problems. That's what your car will do it automatically. But yeah, you, maybe. you have to trust the <laughs> sensors. I, the way I would look at it is I can just imagine cars going down a highway at 60, 70, 80 miles an hour, whatever it is in a train, because all these cars with the technology that they want to have implemented will all talk to each other And in a perfect world. If it works as it should this is great because it's much more efficient. There's less drag. These vehicles all know what the other ones are doing. And as long as nothing happens that is unforeseen, things are great. But if somebody hacks into one of those vehicles in front of you and slams on the brakes, then every car behind them are also going to slam into the car in front of them. And theoretically they slam on their brakes, but yes, well, there's always enough of a lag to where if it depends how yeah. closely you're following. Now, I would like to know 
what these things would be programmed to do. I don't know enough about the Teslas and that I'm assuming right now everything is still being programmed to leave ample amount of space between them and whatever well, it, is traveling. It, it, it in front has of them. to for for as long as you're sharing the road with uh, as long as you're sharing the road with vehicles being operated by humans who have a slower reaction time, I think it has to. Uh, by the way, in order to make that transition, one of the things that I see coming is is p- places start building automated car only lanes, that which makes might sense. be where you might be where you. Well, it kind of does, but it, the the most fundamental thing, the thing you need to know about all automated cars is they're made by software. Software is uh, up to this point made by humans, and um, if if all of the stories that we tell about bugs and breaches and hacks and broken software on this show doesn't convince you, then the only thing that you really have to know, and at least enough for me is that I know programmers programmers get into this because um, there's, there's not there. It it pays good money getting into programming and there's not a lot of certification. There's no, there's no certification body says in order to write code, you have to go through this government hoop and get a license or anything. There's no license. And by the way, God knows I don't want there to be one. But what it means is that a lot of really lazy, stupid people can conceivably get into a position where they're writing code as long as they know how to string some code together, e- even if they're inattentive. Um, software bugs happen because people are fallible and because people make mistakes. Um, the other problem is that especially places like Silicon Valley, the reason that I will not own a Tesla is it's a Silicon Valley company and every other product that comes out of Silicon Valley, that there's a, a level of standards. Look at windows 10 where <laughs> all you, you, you put, you take your code, you write it, you put it out there. And it used to be back in the day, you write code and then you test the holy fuck out of it. You find as many bugs as you can, and then you release it when you can't find any more bugs. That's not how code works these days. Now, maybe Tesla standards are higher than the average Silicon Valley company, but they're still a Silicon Valley company. The, the way Silicon Valley works is that they beta test on the public. I mean, and, and the public puts up with it. Look at all these fucking vaccines are getting shot into their arm. They're not FDA approved. They're beta tests. The public is just cool with, oh, well, go ahead and test this on me. I don't really want to be a guinea pig for somebody's self on a driving car. I don't want an AI. If I'm going to die in a fiery wreck on the roadway, I at least want the satisfaction <laughs> of knowing that I caused that wreck and not some Silicon Valley coder who didn't have enough Red Bull in his system writing a glitch into the code. There is a big difference between your laptop crashing and the vehicle you're traveling in crashing. There's different sets of problems that come along with that. But let me ask you, would you were you feeling safer when this concept of the auto driving cars first started coming out? There were a lot of people talking about things like, well, they would have to embed sensors in the roadways. Now, to me, if that Uh. was actually the case. (laughs) That was never feasible. Well, no, it was never feasible, but pretend that it was. Okay. That would at least make you feel a little safer than, no, we're going to rely on cameras and radar to make sure you stay on the part where you're supposed to stay on. I mean, right up until the first snow plow goes by, you ever seen what happens to those little road turtles when a snow plow just scrapes (laughs) them all off in mass? Well, yeah, but what happens happens to to the expensive sensors? Yeah, what happens to Tesla, though, in six inches of snow when it can't see the road? 
Oh, they just absorb all the salt and corrosion into the part on <laughs> underneath the car, which, by the way, is the battery. Where, where do the I'm curious, though. I mean, I guess you just don't drive a Tesla in snow. Yeah, you, you can't. Because if you're relying work. on those cameras, it's like once you can't see the road, then things are. I, I'm, I, I mean, I don't want to say that I'm better than AI, but. But you're going to. If I can't see the road, I won't drive either. <laughs> it's not safe. That's a good idea. <laughs> If I can't see where I'm driving, I probably shouldn't be driving. Oh, I, I, some of the worst conditions I was ever in, it was, it was fog where I could almost not see the front hood of my car. And I'm, I was on the freeway. It was the middle of the night. And I, the, I mean, it seriously, it was so bad. I had like six feet. I, with, with my low beam headlights, I had maybe 15 feet of visibility. Um, and God forbid you turn on your high beams. That's the worst idea in the world in fog. Um, and I'm doing 20 miles an hour on the interstate with my four ways on and going, Oh fuck, I need to pull over. But of course I knew that the fog wouldn't lift for six hours. So I'm okay. I know that, you know, you know, it's that one where you, you, the, there's the little rumble strip on the side and you're just kind of just touching the rumble strip. So <laughs> right. you know where it is. You're driving by Braille. And then some asshole comes by and blows by me at 75 miles an hour. I'm like, is that uh, uh, a self-driving you know, Tesla? Maybe he did, but here's what I did. Um, I could see his taillights for a good 200 feet. And so I just sped up to match his speed and made sure that I could see the taillights. <laughs> if his taillights went to the left, I went to the left. If his taillights went to the right, I went to the right. And if his taillights suddenly disappeared, you were I knew to slam brakes. on the brakes. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's when you just went off a bridge. How you doing, everybody? Woo! Duke's a hazard I did time. That. I did that right up to the next exit. Then I pulled off and had myself some coffee. Yeah, that's the smart thing to do. I mean, any of these vehicles, which is, I mean... The helicopter crash that killed Kobe and among others, I think Stevie Ray Vaughan was the same way. You went up in a fog and in, in conditions that were not suitable. And if you're not adept, and I guess maybe this is where the vehicles come in because the vehicles can use things like radar and GPS to know allegedly that you're going to stay on the expressway and, you know, be able to continue at speed. But uh, as you said, it's going to take some time. For this technology, I don't think we're going to see it in our lifetimes where this is perfected. I mean, it may get close. Perfected? No, I can. I think that we we are probably 10 years from uh, some some large scale efforts at making the transition. And and like I said, you know, the transition might is going to be messy and it's going to be weird. But uh, and it might end up starting with with closing some places to manual drivers and, and putting new restrictions on people who want to drive manually. And, uh, and you know, I hope that we don't get to a point where somebody's like, well, we're just going to ban all cars older than a certain year. Um, well, they'll do that think- because you, it'll be the gas thing. That's how they're going to do it. It's not going to oh, be. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. We, we have to stop climate change by putting everybody and tying them to the grid. Yeah, right. On big, which has big been ass- so reliable the last year. Yeah. Big ass batteries are that are going to explode. When, Ooh, yes. Uh, oh, that's right. Really, oh, yeah. that's right. Every yeah, every automatic or every electric car is uh is basically you're driving around a lithium ion bomb. Yay! Yay! Progo says there are now some. I bet terrorists are thrilled about that. Yeah, they are. You don't there, have to go anywhere. There's to- enough safety systems. You're not usually going to explode every single day when you drive around in it. But if you know exactly how to disable the safety systems, then 
and you drive it, you know, you just park your Tesla into a World Trade Center. I bet you can do even worse than they did back in 90. I don't always explode when I drive, but when I do, I drive Tesla. Uh, Progo <laughs> says that some freight trains now have drones that fly ahead of them so the engineer can see further down the track. That's genius as well. Yeah, I didn't have any drones when I was in college. No, you should. I mean, this could we should have everybody in a car now should have drones so they could just fly ahead of you and guide you on. Uh, you know, we're we're not that far from that. The, one of the, the technologies that has been well, it's been coming for 25 years is the Man, idea they should have that, some fluids then. Yeah, well, they, they're trust me, they're pretty dehydrated. Um, the idea that, well, OK, we, we you know that we talk about putting sensors on the roads, but that doesn't really work. Uh, it's not really feasible. There's too many roads, um, but it, we are putting sensors on cars and the idea that cars through whatever technology is available, start talking to each other is actually quite feasible because there's usually another car on the road ahead of you that knows what the conditions are. And if you could just get information from that, I mean, there's apps now, uh, ways I think does that it's just cars ahead of you giving you information. And if you're ahead of someone else, you give them information. And as long as it's just giving you information to evaluate conditions, that's amazing. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily want my car to become part of a giant anthill, but maybe that's how automated cars become feasible. Until somebody hacks that system and starts sending bad information. And that's always the problem. Yeah. That is always a problem because you can drive around, you know, right now, if cars start communicating via, you know, Wi-Fi on the roadway and you just, you know, build a big mesh network, which is feasible. It's not something that it's you know easy to do because you have to have almost every car in on it, but it could happen. And then you just go around and start, you know, war driving and, and broadcasting bad SSIDs or something and you screw up the whole plan. And now where are we having fun? <laughs> could be could a of, be a lot of wrecked teslas but uh whoever's in control of so, that is having fun yeah uh my final thoughts on self-driving cars um i'm skeptical really that's that's rare for you to be skeptical of a technology you write that down in the purple book just to keep that Bembrose. Uh, pur- purple is a lie skeptical purple is a purple is a fake color made up by non-colorblind people that's all i'm telling you skeptical of purple also <laughs> doesn't believe it exists maybe it does no it's just a shade of blue maybe it doesn't uh also in the uk tech firms funded by the british government developing a facial recognition system that can be used by private businesses such as pubs to use as coronavirus vaccine passports yes the uk because it always goes back to corona it does well this is why we need the technology even though we and i mean i understand there can be outliers but the reality is we've seen the patterns in humankind and that is about once every hundred years we have something like this coronavirus so i mean this has to be ready for a hundred years from now i I, i'm honestly surprised at this point the uk isn't just tattooing numbers on everybody's arms i think they're they're getting close no they it would have to be something that that's automated readable on a barcode no not a bar no chips of course of course why are people not getting chipped yeah rfid tags just put them in your neck that way you can show up and you can look and you don't even have to look just insert them in Insert them into the carotid. Make sure they have a little micro explosive in case you do something wrong and they need to trigger it remotely. 
you know, the executive of one of these companies says, whoever's standing on the door of the pub is going to have to scan the certificate, read the name and date of birth, then ask the person for an ID document, check the name and date of birth on the document or the same, squint at the photograph on the ID, and then make if sure I that person pub, in front of them is somebody. that person. And then he adds, that's not going to happen. So this is why we need facial recognition. Yeah. So you show up at the pub, you look into a camera, and it says whether you're allowed in or not. This isn't going to have any trouble. Not at all. Speaking of hacking, I can tell you, if I was in the UK, whoever I didn't like in the UK would be on every list where they can't access any building once this starts up. Be like, nope, cold acid. Screw that guy. Don't let him in anywhere. If if there was ever need for for rooting a device, it would be that chip implanted in your neck. Be like, I'm going to go ahead and install my own open source operating system on that one. Then you could get into anything because you're now hacked. You hacked yourself and you're like, yeah. and more importantly, as as people go ahead and remove physical locks in uh, in lieu of electronic locks that are all triggered by your ID implanted chip, then having a custom OS on the chip, I'd be like, yeah, I can get in anywhere done. I still cannot believe people use these things on their front doors that are controlled by Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. To no, not, the nothing, door. nothing connected to the Internet will ever be able to unlock my door. It's nuts. I mean, I know how the technology works. It's beautiful. I know how concept. the technology is supposed to work, but right. that's not how the technology works. Well, yeah, we, we know the, the the utopian aspect of it is. This is magical. You just get within three feet of your door and it automatically opens because it knows yeah, you're there. You, you or anybody else with that has got the right spoofing technology on their phone. Right. Or the, the guy that hit you over the head with a baseball bat and just took your phone. Oh, it took your phone. Yeah, that's a low tech solution. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, you know, all your stuff is now gone because they were able to just walk in because they had your phone. I mean, using your phone. Yeah. Yeah, Although, you know, this 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 isn't new to to smart door unlocking systems. We had a we had a neighbor a few years back uh, who had uh, their entire house. And this, by the way, is is a problem that is fairly modern because way back in the day when we all when everybody knew their neighbors, this would have been considered suspicious. But here's what here's what they did. Um, and, and this, by the way, was actually within sight of my house. And I didn't think anything suspicious of it either. Um, the thieves went up to the front door, confirmed that nobody was home. Um, and I don't know if they used, you know, the easy way to do this is you use social media. When somebody posts, I'm going on vacation for a week. And then you're like, right. yep, you're not going to be here. Um, but they came up to the house. They rented a moving truck that said U-Haul or something on the side. They backed the moving truck up to the front door. They crowbarred the lock off the door and they just took the next six hours to move everything out of value, everything out of the house and into the moving truck. And then they drove the moving truck away and everybody in the neighborhood looked at this and thought, Oh, well, they, maybe they're moving or something. And we didn't know our neighbors. And, and this incident, by the way, is the thing that caused my wife and I to start really paying attention to and getting to know our neighbors so that yes. we, so that we could talk to each other and call each other and be like, Hey, uh, are you moving today or no, I'm, I'm on vacation. Yeah, oh, cause I'm there's a Maui. moving truck, a bunch of guys, <laughs> there's a bunch of guys moving your shit out of your house right now. Oh, call the cops. And you know what? If that happened today, we would, but man, I, you know, I feel bad for her because we didn't know our neighbors from Adam. We'd only been in the house a couple of years. And, and of course I'm introverted and antisocial and hate people. And so I didn't know my neighbors, but it's important. <laughs> 
Yes. Well, yeah, to at least have a basic understanding of what's going on for them to know if you're not going to be around. So if you are going on vacation, any vehicle that shows up at your house, I mean, one, it's good if you have people coming to check on the house, family members, friends, whatever, that your neighbors that know, because if they know you're on vacation, you, the worst thing, you yeah. know, grandma came over to make sure the plants were watered and uh, the, the SWAT team came in. Yeah. <laughs> Guns ablaze and like, get on the floor. So, I mean, it's, that's information that's important to know. And then that's that's a real concern The when when we usually go on on a week longer or longer vacation, um, we have one particular friend who lives not far away, who loves to come over because we, we have a nicer house than he does. And so he loves to house it. Um, we well, yeah, all that free a, Wi-Fi. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is we have we have the cable and everything that, of course, we don't use. But um, he is a total gun nut and is always armed and uh, you know we're sitting here going somebody like that i was sitting yeah i'm okay with that yeah just don't <laughs> but, come home uh, early <laughs> well, that might be the trick at least not when he's been uh been partaking yes yeah you gotta be careful uh, also a bit of a pothead but that that's pretty common yeah, well it's seattle then it's either coffee yes. or marijuana and i mean i guess the two, two so caffeinated marijuana is that a thing i i would be willing to bet it is somewhere I mean, that's not a bad idea. I mean, it, that way, um, th- that might be a question we have to ask Sir Spencer. Yeah, we got, well, Sir Spencer or Fletcher or Carolyn Fletcher Blaney. Would, yeah. uh, Boobery says yes. So he's obviously partaken. Uh, coffee and cannabis match made in yeah, heaven. Sir, Sir, Matthew Sir Matthew. says, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. We, <laughs> we have a lot uh, of we are We are not <laughs> the right people to be talking about marijuana. We, this has been pointed out on the network before. Yeah. We, we're going to we're gonna post this. Uh, Even Sir Seat Sitter. Yeah, even Sir Seatsitter was like, "You are the wrong person to talk about marijuana." He's like, "No, I can tell you why I've never partaken in it. It's the Bill Cosby concept of, you know, with cocaine. It's like, well, it just intensifies your personality. It's like, yeah, but what if you're an asshole? Yeah, <laughs> and honestly, quick poll for everybody listening: Does my personality need intensifying? No, I mean, some people may suggest it could be taken down a little, and that way. uh I mean, the, the marijuana would allegedly do that, although you That's might what be, I use booze for you're, <laughs> you're So you're a happy drunk. You're not one of the angry, rage filled drunks that has a few I get drinks much and, happier than I am right now. Oh, well, this, that's a plus. That is a plus. Is there a level, though? Like two, three drinks is happy. Five, six drinks is let's go burn a city down. I don't know. <laughs> I, well, no drinks is let's go burn a city down. So <laughs> Right. So zero and like 12 drinks. They're the same. That is exactly yeah, well, the same no, level. The 12 drinks and I don't I'm, I don't want to get up to go burn a city down. So that might be better. Apathy comes in. At some I'm not point. sure I should be implicating myself any more than I already have, though. That's Seattle. No, the cops we, would not be listening. Do we, do we have any experts today? We do. We do have some experts. It's, it's another slow day, although I think that people are getting ready and they're uh, they're holding their load. You know, Biden wants us to get the whole load. But I think they're holding it to uh, celebrate the two-year anniversary of Grumpy Old Ben's. I mean, we've been saying there's two different dates, and that is kind of true because there was the day that we recorded the first show on, but that's kind of crap. I think we have to go well, by when the first show actually was released. And the well, first we show, recorded the first show just about exactly two years ago. Wasn't it uh, like two years ago, Wednesday? Yeah, I think so. It was April, but, but I think I think the date of the release of the first show. It's not a podcast until you release something, Sir Matthew. Right, but um, yes, no. So that's the guy to go to oh, for sorry. that one too, because he's been a podcaster for years up until he didn't release any shows. But 
The first release was also the anniversary of our first live show and the first appearance of Larry. It's been downhill ever since Larry came on the first show with us. <laughs> well, if you start out with Larry, there's really nowhere to go but down. I know. That was April 12th. So that is, I guess, technically what we have to look at as our two-year anniversary. And it is a show day. So there's that. It's Monday, April 12th. Is going to be a big show. It's going to be our anniversary spectacular and it's also going to be after you miss a show or so if you're going uh, camping so you'll be you'll be coming back to celebration station on april 12th uh no i'll be in a better mood (laughs) well that's good although that might kill the whole show if you're in a better mood we'll find out we might need to bring sir gene along just to get those numbers up or or maybe larry or maybe larry and sir gene okay larry's good yeah i don't know you bring sir gene along you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna run out of hard drive space again yeah we're never gonna be able to talk oh that's a good idea i I will invite larry for that show because he was here on april 12th back in 2019 and uh, see if he wants to celebrate along with us but we do have two experts today first and foremost is our executive producer of the show I was trying to get him to get you in earlier today, but he said he really had no control. I'm like, you're an executive producer. What do you mean? You have no control. Yeah. I'm like, where's Ben Rose? It was 11 a.m. my time. Like, where's Ben Rose? Cold acid. I'm like, you are the executive producer of the show. I not me. I just executive producer just in Hollywood. Even executive producer just means you're the one who put out the money. Yeah. The most important people for wrangling the talent on a show is the interns. Ooh, so I need interns. We might need interns. If you are attractive and between the ages of 18 and 21 and female and in the Chicago area, I need interns. Don't we all? Just <laughs> <laughs> last, last Friday's cold open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when she turns 18, she'll be an eight. <laughs> yep. I just let that one sit yeah. there. Yeah, you're like you're like let's let's try to get bemrose arrested let's see if it works <laughs> no you well no you're saying at least you're waiting till 18 so that was the proper thing we appreciated that for you know, being in full uh executive producer mode there just you know letting you know letting you know it's okay you're just gandering if you will but cold acid is the executive producer today coming in with his 50 dollars, which he's doing once a yeah. month which is Way more generous than most other folks, except maybe Jay Finley. And it's it's pushing us up toward that minimum wage. Yes. Yes. And there I mean, there are a few folks that are out there. Surly Mofo and uh, and Dame. Uh, oh, what? Why am I I'm blanking on uh, Sir Howitzer and Dame Sexy? They've come in quite a bit. Oh, yes. And we appreciate everybody that comes in at those amounts. And I mean, we're not no agenda quite yet. I was blown away as I think Adam and John were in, in, in content or donations. Yes. So we're trying. I mean, we're, we're getting the content there. We actually produce a similar amount of content. We definitely talk more. On and we we produce Bend. a similar amount of audio. Yes, that is absolutely true. And they had a one donation. It was split between three people, but a donation of three thousand three hundred thirty three dollars and thirty three cents. I'm just like. That's the person we need to listen to grumpy yeah. old beds. That's the guy. <laughs> That's the one we does. Adriana Lima's over 21 says, did you grow? No, there's, there is the Adriana Lima exemption to all rules and she's perfectly fine. Whatever age she may be. She doesn't look older than 21, even though I think she's about 40 now, or at least in her late thirties. If she, if she carries it well, I don't care. 
Exactly. But cold acid didn't have anything to say. He just said, you know, keep on keeping on or something like that. So I guess we should use the moment just to tell people that cold acid does do a podcast with Abel Kirby called Rare Encounter that you can go to at rareencounter.net and listen to his show. And hopefully you'll like they, it, even though his bandwidth is always bad. They, they even stream live on Wednesdays at a uh, time that Central, I, I believe. Is it, is it okay? It's six central because so I would like to listen, but the wife works until six o'clock and takes her about 45 okay. minutes to get home. And that's that, usually when I'm making dinner. That sounds right because, uh, that, that'd be four o'clock here, which is probably, I'm always, uh, working in the afternoons and I'll always, you know, at five o'clock, I'm cheers, going, bacon, going I'm sorry. I was just talking to bacon, dude. He was, he said he was leaving. I'm like, cheers, dude. Oh, okay. Cheers. He's another guy that's always been. Always a fan of bacon. Show. Yeah, and we do love bacon. I mean, if there's one we thing, we do that, love bacon. We could do a whole show on bacon at Grumpy Old Ben's. I have, I have a feeling that. Uh, uh, I mean, that that's almost better than doing a show on caffeine. Oh, well, what about caffeinated bacon? That's got to be. Bet, a thing. I bet that exists too. Yeah. Oh, that would be great because they make bacon jerky. Which okay, so we could just. Well, well my there. train of thought is is lying in the ditch, completely <laughs> on fire and smoking. Uh, is, there, is there anybody else we need to think? Yes, besides cold acid, we have Kenny Ben comes in and says, uh, let's get you guys above the minimum wage. XOXO, Kenny Ben. We oh, appreciate much that. appreciated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's been doing some uh I think that yeah, the, the, doing some art for No Agenda as well. The the female artists coming in for No Agenda this year, like within the last year or so, have been fantastic. And it's interesting because for the longest time, there were none. It was a total sausage fest. Now the the women are showing us uh, how to do it and usually do have a little bit more of a so, refined art. It's interesting to look at the differences. Okay. At, at the risk of, of being kind of tone deaf to the modern era of identity, um, are, are they putting selfies up? No. Or then why does it matter that they're women? It doesn't, except for the fact okay. that we know that they are and we know that the vast majority before like the last year and a half or so have not been so uh it's it's a new it's a new breed coming in of and on the no agenda art and it's interesting because even i look at having having new people come in is always good fresh faces new ideas uh somebody to compete with darren o so he doesn't get all the art yeah i know Uh, damn me I, I just, I don't know. The, the way that you, you propose that is like somehow, oh, it's better having women than men. Like I, it, it, if they're not showing pictures of them and there's not a chance of getting with them. <laughs> you then just want to see. Sir Pemrose wants your selfies. Send them directly to him. Well, of course I do. <laughs> then not, don't I mean, accidentally if you're hot send them and to his, his wife, Lisa, uh, accidentally. If you're under 18, please don't send me any selfies. I don't need to be accused of things. But well, you're, you're already getting accused of things, but you just don't I, need I understand. to that. I just don't need it. To the level. But I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm innocent of most of the things I'm guilty of. I'm intrigued by the demographics of the shows like No Agenda, which seems like more of a guy kind of a show. Our show does as well because just the camaraderie that we throw back and forth, the the busting of yeah. balls, if you will, which I think is much more of a guy thing. But I know there are female listeners and we appreciate that. I mean, I'm betting they're a, a gross minority of maybe 10, 15 percent. But we well, and, appreciate and, and remember the the tech industry in general, much to the lamentation of the the people who want equity everywhere, 
um, is already largely a guy's club, like 80% plus of the people doing technology tend to be male. And, you know, this is something that HR departments at Silicon Valley companies have grappled with for years and, and they can't quite figure out how to solve it when there just aren't that many women interested, but they keep trying. Well, it's uh, it's the same on a lot of that stuff, including, you know, lawyers that have to be of a certain ethnicity in order to get hired for Coca-Cola. That was a story on the list as well. But we want to do definitely thank everybody for listening and everybody who does donate to the show to keep the show going, keeping the audio sounding good, paying the server bills, which is always a good thing. So you can always get your grumpy old Ben's fix. We appreciate people that turn other folks onto the show. We appreciate people that do reviews of the show wherever they listen to podcasts because that's a huge thing getting noticed and getting people to try your show it is very hard to do and even having a few reviews of a show most shows out there if you'll notice if they're not absolutely huge things like you know joe rogan or things that have you know a huge audience no agenda right you know those shows have a bunch of reviews but there's a ton of podcasts out there with zero reviews and those are so hard to get new people to listen to so if you can take the time and rate the shows and do a review wherever you listen to the podcast that helps the next time somebody's coming around and just doing a search rob looking for a tech or a political podcast whatever it is and grumpy old ben's comes up it's very much helpful if they see that there are reviews and that they can check out and that helps bring people in and we appreciate that but of course the do, financial do, help is very much appreciated as well. Do we have a lot of reviews? No. I mean, I, I honestly don't. I, I never go to iTunes, so I don't know. There, I mean, and um, you can do it on iTunes. You can do it on Podcast Addict. I think you can do it in all the different apps. You leave oh, the okay. reviews there. So it's all very fractured. So what we need is each each grumpy old Ben's expert needs to go out and review the show on every app. You just go out right. and install all the apps and review it on each one. And if you do that, let us know. There's could probably be a prize pack or something like that, because it is definitely helpful. And don't get caught, because that probably violates the terms of service somewhere. Yeah, just we'll be truthful. You know, tell them that it's the greatest show you've ever what? heard. Be truthful. No, nobody <laughs> will listen to this show. <laughs> Lie through your teeth. Tell them we're, this is a quality show that brings you quality information, and yeah. then they should all listen. It's it's a little bigger show than ours, but I, I really like the way that uh, who are these podcasts does their reviews. They actually do an entire segment where they read the reviews. They encourage people in all of their fans to go out, give a five star review and then write the worst things possible in the comments. Yes. Or as Carl says, give us a five star review and then shit on us all over the yes. <laughs> text of the of the review, because that confuses people, too. It's I, it, it does to me when I go on Amazon reviews and I see a one star review and it's like, best product i've ever had and it's like wait you don't you don't understand the star system and i can't trust anything or maybe, you say or now. maybe they do yeah right maybe they, they may understand it way too well that's true but as long as you get us a review and it's entertaining we would appreciate that and if you want to go and be an expert and donate you can do that at grumpyoldbenz.com you can use the donate link which will take you to PayPal for a one-time or monthly donation. You can use the QR code or the Bitcoin address if you want to do the crypto thing. And you can use the snail mail address if you want to send us something in the mail. Meet us or Medeus or however they were saying his name and no agenda. Uh, he, he claims to have sent both you and I something in the mail. So I don't know if we need drug sniffing dogs or. Uh, 
He, he did. And my, no, I didn't, I didn't need drug sniffing dogs. I, I had my wife open it. Oh, see, I haven't gotten mine yet. So, okay. You're still alive. That's good. So he's not yeah. trying to kill us yet. Yeah. So should I spoil the surprise or if, if you're getting something too, then maybe I, I won't mention what it was. Uh, however, I will tell you that uh, my wife, uh, it, it was her idea, but we have already retaliated. Oh, oh, oh retaliate. Okay. Medus is saying no. So it, it needs to be a surprise and something we can discuss. Hopefully by the next show, whatever comes okay. in the mail. And we appreciate it. I'm sure Medus, uh, or as, uh, as Ryan just said, retaliations are, or something you should be aware of. We know where you are. I'm just saying. But uh, that's just how you say that's how you get in touch with us. That's how you support the show. Be an expert, just like D.E. Metis and Cold Acid of the Rare Encounter podcast, grumpyoldbens.com. And Sir Spencer, he's a good guy too. All guys, of course we need, he is. We, yeah, we need some more guys on the show that bring in the ladies i mean we we well sir Sir spencer comes with his own lady and uh she is a smoking hot one that uh unfortunately guys she's already married but you can listen to her beautiful voice on the bowl after bowl podcast with sir spencer and lorian i was talking to Metis last night on episode zero which basically was him testing his gear for a new show he's going to be doing and we we did talk about the sarah lane principle which is if you're a tech show Having somebody with boobs will get you more viewers on uh, on YouTube, and I, I don't think that's wrong. I don't think does that's that wrong. include overweight men? I don't think so. It depends. Okay. I mean, everybody's so got a king. Not just boobs. You also have to look female. Yeah. Well, in <laughs> probably yes. That would okay. That would be helpful. That it just makes me want to do a. Uh, I know some. I know some guys with with some really large titties that do <laughs> not look like something I want to look at. Well, yeah, but I'm just thinking we we've talked about the concept of the bikini baristas. I think we just need like bikini tech news that we could write the news. All they have to do is I would look not be surprised it. if that if that's been done. But uh, now I kind of want it if, right. If it, if it hasn't it, been done, it would it would make grumpy old Ben's show prep much more interesting to me. Yes. You'd be like, I've been watching this nonstop for 48 hours. This is so how do you feel about engaging in some wild speculation? So you mean continuing the show? Yeah. No, that's fine. Um, This has been a story for uh, a couple shows now. It's bouncing around in my notes, but I was avoiding trying to bring it to the show simply because there's been nothing official. And I didn't want to be that show where we talk about every tech rumor. And then you pointed out that that's exactly what we are. and so. Um, how about this whole Microsoft buying discord thing? Yes. Oh, I mean, I thought this was almost a done deal, but I guess it is not actually a done deal. It's not been announced by either party, but there's a whole lot of tech reporters talking about it. You know, it's an interesting concept because discord is everywhere when it comes to gaming and even podcasting. Who are these podcast users of discord? The Daily Tech Show with Tom Merritt, they use a Discord. There's I think a lot. we tried it for one episode. Well, for the audio, but there's a bunch of people, even the dude that oh, yeah. does, dude who use a community. Yes. And it's that's tied into which I didn't realize until recently that it's also tied in to Patreon that there was a dude I was watching that does nothing but build Legos and stuff on Lego. Sorry, Midas. I put an ass. Oh, geez, he's going to kill me. Uh, I was building Lego on YouTube. And he's going to have to come on to your podcast before he can 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. But I know he's sending stuff in the mail. So, uh, but this guy, it's like, oh, yeah, join, you know, our monthly thing for three bucks a month and you get access to our Discord server. And then I looked at Patreon because we do have a couple Patreon accounts, including one for Grumpy Old Ben's. And you can have it automatically set it up so people can have access only if they're a Patreon member. And it's interesting that Discord is so ingrained in these things. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. People have a lot of negatives about Microsoft. There's no question about that. But I know there's people that have some negatives about Discord right now. So I don't know if this would actually be helpful or uh, we, hurtful to Discord. We, we we brought up just just mentioning the word Discord. And there's uh, the let's see. Fuck Discord in the troll room. Uh, Discord was already untrustable before Microsoft wanted them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is this is true. Where, where will the furries go to without Discord? <laughs> wow. Oh, so wait, okay, that's where that's what that's they're known for now. I it, it is I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um I use Discord for precisely two things. One is uh chat amongst my friends uh when I want to get together because we're all in different cities these days. Um so we we have a tiny little place with one text channel and a chat and we'll hop on and talk to each other. Um, and then I use it for paying attention to who are these podcasts. And that's pretty much it for me. But there's a lot of people out there who are very, very into it. Yeah, uh, uh, social networking and, and creating a social site has always been a, a weird hit or miss. Uh, you know, Facebook completely nailed it. Um, Twitter did really well. Uh, Google tried to do it, although they just tried to copy Facebook and they failed horribly a couple times. Um, Microsoft has never been able to do it outside of the, the one hit social platform that Microsoft has completely nailed for non enterprise usage is Xbox. Um, which has a lot of that discord built into it with the voice chat and you know, the different Xbox. Yeah. Xbox absolutely has, it has voice chat. It has, uh, it has the friends list. It has the, uh, you know, it now has the community system where you can get together. If you have a, a certain interest, you sign on to the interest, you meet people. And, um, you know, every, every, every time somebody tries to build a social network, they build in a certain set of how you, uh, work with things and there's, you know, built into the system, there's going to be benefits and limitations. And, uh, you know, Facebook pretty much nailed it with the, the like button and the social graph. Uh, it discord, uh, appears to have hit a home run. Uh, what, what they ended up setting up was you can create your own community and then you get a bunch of text chat channels, which all support multimedia and you get voice channels like live chat. So they, they, they brought in, a mumble um a little while later they added video chat but it's still unstable as hell and choppy if you get more than about 20 people on um but just the the bandwidth is crazy but uh, somewhere along the line discord completely nailed it but they, you know they also their app is is a little bit irreverent when uh it, when when starting up the app it'll say uh acute gaming phrases like you know building the cake is a lie or something um because it's very clearly, I mean, they, they put together, they've got some designers with, with a little bit of attitude. I don't know if Microsoft will be able to beat that out of them or not. Um, but they've clearly got something successful because every Twitch streamer now 
is going out and saying, you know, sign on to my Discord. Every open source project is sign on to my Discord. Right, right. Uh, every- Which I don't get. I mean, even the, the Daily Tech Show with Tom Merritt. Why would you not send people to your own damn website? The fact that you're sending them to a platform that you could be booted off of at any time for any stupid thing still doesn't make sense well, to me. Two two reasons. One, people are naive and okay. and trust Silicon Valley for some unknown reason. Nobody and listening two to this show, is that I hope. Discord has not had too many highly publicized incidents of shutting people down yet. Um and and I know that from day 1 on this show, even when I was using it for my own nefarious purposes on on the background um i was telling people i'm like discord is a closed source social walled garden if they haven't screwed you over yet it's only a matter of time because they can and they don't care about you they have no reason to believe that you're good uh, um you know discord also has another amazing feature that that is one of the reasons that i do use it and that is they have no ads um they monetize by uh the idea of boosting which is effectively you pay for a a monthly subscription that gives you um kind of tokens that you can then use you can spend those tokens to add more features right. to a server that you're attached to including also, better audio quality and i was yes. very much surprised when i was on who are these podcasts which is what who are these.com that yeah. the audio quality was spectacular over discord because because people come in and boost and i think by default you get 64k voice streams which is generally fine if you're playing call of duty together and want to just coordinate your guild and all you need to do is figure out what people are saying but if you need audio quality for production for example then you want more than that and i think the first boost is takes you up to 96 and the next one will take you to 128 or something i I don't know the exact numbers uh but the idea that they don't have ads and instead pay for things i mean that that is a good idea that's something that that's new and fairly unique so what what does microsoft get out of this well microsoft has had uh you know discord is it's it's slack and and i think that's maybe where we start discord is slack plus voice chat um if slack doesn't have voice chat i haven't checked recently and let's not forget microsoft has skype no yeah, Microsoft has, they've got Skype already. They've got voice chat, but they've got, uh, what was it? Microsoft Teams. And they've never been number one because Slack eats them. And, and I'm sure that they're probably scratching their head going, how come? And uh, by the way, the word Microsoft might be the reason, but, uh, Microsoft has, they're, they're decent in enterprise, but the only, non-enterprise social network they have is xbox xbox has it has friends it it doesn't have text chat it doesn't have um a, a you know the running timeline which is one thing that discord has. you know discord is uh, it, it, like i said it's it's like slack which is it's a multimedia uh you know you build yourself a quote-unquote server i don't like that technology but it has a bunch of channels in the server which to me are very much like IRC, but you can paste multimedia pictures and stuff and movies. Um, it, it, you know, how, how you can use an IRC server to uh, IRC plus mumble could do this, but they wrap it in an attractive package. Um, Xbox, the one thing the, that Microsoft has never been able to do is move it off of the console. And I think that's where Microsoft wants to go with this. If, if Microsoft is going to pick this up, 
I think that's what they're going to try to do. They've got a very successful social network on their console, but they're not. Xbox hardly even exists off the console. And, you know, that's one of the reasons they don't really have text chat. You know, they've got Xbox forums on Xbox.com, but who knows about that or who cares? Uh, they've got, uh, it, you can, you can do, they, they keep introducing crazy little apps like uh, you can control your Xbox with an app on your phone if you log into, but they really haven't managed to push anybody to care about Xbox if they're not signed into a console. And I think that's where they want to go with this is well, yeah. they want to integrate that and expand their own network. And the other thing, of course, they want is, is a tens of thousands of communities of gamers to be under their wing. Well, and there's no question they're going to bake this in to the operating system, which was what they tried to do. Oh, God, with that Skype. would kill it. Yeah, well, that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to bake this into your operating system where you have to go an extra step to not have it on automatically, that this is going to be like, oh, well, you're on and you're available because your Windows machine is on and it's baked into the operating system and your notifications. Oh, boom, they're right there. Look, somebody just did this in your in your yeah, server. Discord app already sort of does that. It, right. it has it, it. You install the Discord app. And one of the things that I really, really hate about it is that it scans the running processes on your machine <laughs> and then tells everybody if it can identify one of those running processes as a game, then it tells everybody you're playing that, which is is great right up until, you know, it's like a porn game or something right. you're like I didn't actually want anyone to know. Yeah. Privacy 101. Uh, you don't have any on the Internet. Yeah. And this is just if the Discord client is running, which if you, you know, if you close it sometime, depending on what your settings are, it might just minimize to the system tray and you don't even know it's there. And it's telling everybody that, oh, by the way, you know, Darren launched Cam Girls 2000. Oh, that is way better than Cam Girls 1999. Yeah, it is. But I, I, I love the, the, yeah, the shading and that, the, like, yeah, yeah. the graphics are spectacular. There's there's a reason I didn't like the pay to win system, though, <laughs> well, that they introduced just, just like real life, It's just like real life. But that's why after I was on Who Are These Podcasts, I took Discord off my system again because I don't use it. And it would seem like another one of these bloated, invasive apps that I don't want on the machine. I mean, if I have yeah. to use it, I'll use it. But it's not one of my favorite things. I understand why it is. Because as it's being talked about in the troll room, it is IRC with multimedia added onto it and audio yeah. video added onto and it. it what, what it is, is you know, you could reproduce Discord by taking an IRC server and a mumble server and writing a non shitty front end to it. Uh, the, one of the reasons that people hate IRC is that the interface is still stuck in 1982. Um, it, if somebody put a decent front end on an IRC server and put it out there, you'd have a, a new distributed social network that could be cool based on an open protocol instead of the closed source protocol. Right. Which uh, is why it, it just comes down to, like you said, somebody putting the pretty picture onto it. Yeah. 
Cold Acid is saying in the troll room, he says, you can turn off and on the feature where it tells everybody this is true. I can turn off the feature where it tells people what game I'm playing, but that doesn't change the fact that it's scanning my hard drive and process list because when I launch the app, even if Discord isn't telling everyone else, it still says right there in Discord, we notice that you're playing Pornhub Extreme right now or whatever the hell I'm playing. Oh, you're up to Extreme? I did. I started there. I, it's, it's a, it's a Gen X thing. Um, but I, I don't want discord to be scanning my processes because for one thing, if it's displaying it in the app, then I am, this might not even be true, but I am sure it's sending that information to discord for uh, uh, statistical tracking purposes for, you know, or not even tracking for, uh, you know, to improve our product or something. Right. I don't want that information. I want my privacy. I don't want an app scanning my process list and deciding whether or not I'm watching other apps because the next step after that is they say, you know, actually we really don't like elder scrolls six. And if we notice you're playing that, then you're going to be banned from servers. Right. Or they're well, going to yes. give that to mod tools or something. I don't, I don't like a company having that information. They don't need it. Well, yeah, you can't be playing these games where you go out and pistol whip a hooker. That's wrong. You can't play Grand Theft Auto anymore. No, it, it needs to not be a game. Just go do it in real. Uh, wait, no. Welcome to Chicago. We're, we're not. Yeah, we're not recommending this in real life. No, <laughs> we do not get financial advice or any advice whatsoever that you should no. be following this show is for enter. Edu- well, no, I was going to say educational purposes. The show is for entertainment purposes only. And now- this show is not suitable for any purpose whatsoever, and yet you're still listening. <laughs> yes. How pathetic are you? Vox is like, uh, is, is, there's Pornhub Extreme? And Progo's like, I don't think so. <laughs> We're- Progo, get with the program. You you should know these things. Only the cool kids get invited Only to Extreme. Cool kids. So I pulled up some information on Discord, just in case you're wondering. The the rumored sales price is going to be $10 billion, which uh, it, it only seems like a lot of money because it is a lot of money. Yeah, that's a B. Uh, <laughs> that's billion. A B. That's a lot of fucking money. Yeah. Um, you're yeah, like, Microsoft why did I code this? Only, only a few years ago, Microsoft was talking about buying Yahoo for only $18 million or billion. So <laughs> Discord is up there. Um, they're still private. They, they have not gone public, which actually is, is really nice for someone who wants to acquire them because lots of dirty secrets that nobody will ever find out once they get folded in. Um, Discord currently says they have 140 million monthly users. Million. That's. It's a lot of people signing on. Yeah, it's um, almost half the population of the United States. I mean, I know according it's, to the Wall Street, yeah, it's it's more than twice the population of the UK. Right. We learned we learned today. You, this is an educational show. Whether I learned you, how many people are in the UK this morning. You learn things whether you want to or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, I they according to Wall Street Journal, they made a hundred million dollars in revenue in 2020. Okay, so a hundred so million I'm, in revenue is worth ten a hundred years billion dollars. <laughs> It'll be a hundred years before they make that back. Yes, but that's, that's not how big, co- you know, big companies, once they get big enough, the, the huge Silicon Valley companies, they're printing money so fast that it doesn't mean anything. They're just like, what do we want to control today? Okay. How much is it going to take? Let's do that. Yeah. This is why NFTs of MP3s are selling for millions of dollars. Yeah. So, um, they they also um, have not in theory and then we don't know this for sure because again everything is closed but uh according to sources um they have not yet gone through their 480 million dollars in uh investment and vc funds that they started on 
they're just raking in cash. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't this hard of a thing to do. I mean, this is always what's weird to me for a company like Microsoft who should have access to people that could write programs to do this kind of stuff. You would think so, but I've met a lot of them. Uh, <laughs> That's wrong, huh? It's it's way easier. I mean, I understand you're you're buying the allegedly you're buying the user base. The question is how many of the users stick with it if it goes to Microsoft? I'm guessing most in this case because it doesn't I, I, seem like of, there's I'm, a good solution otherwise. I mean, how many people stayed on GitHub when know. they went to Microsoft? I I think probably ninety percent. That's a I've lot. Seen, I've seen a, quite a few projects that ended up going off to to Bitbucket or or GitLab or somewhere, but um, for the most part, most of the projects I saw stuck around. So I I don't know I you know the the other thing is uh, Microsoft has been making purchases in recent years where they haven't been intentionally fucking up the product. Um, and it, it's weird for people who pay attention to Microsoft. It, uh, like when they purchased Mojang, they, Microsoft now owns Minecraft and, uh, somehow Mojang has been able to operate at least on their main version, the Java version, the original, um, kind of autonomously. And, and they, I mean, they've introduced some features and some things that are a little weird, but they haven't managed to fuck it up. And I, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is the way Microsoft intends to be now, but then I look at Windows 10 and I'm like, no, they still suck. Well, yeah, when but, you're if you're involved in something like this, so if you're deplatformed from Discord, once Microsoft buys it, there's no getting around it because your machine is tied to that and they're going to know if you're just trying to make a different account. It's kind of an intriguing thing. This is really putting Microsoft in charge, which is why I don't like all of the phoning home that Windows 10 has been doing, which is why I've been seriously thinking about, even though Apple is nearly as evil, they appear better at this point with privacy when it comes to an operating system standpoint, that it's like maybe Apple's the place to go back to. I also pulled up uh, an article that I had, uh, I don't know, a few months ago, um, never got to it, but um, the uh, one of the Microsoft appointees to the Linux Foundation board saying relying on plain text email is a barrier to entry and they wanted to move off of text. Uh, I don't know. I just mentioned that that was that was a, what Microsoft brings to it. Yeah. Well, Microsoft uh, just kind of sucks. <laughs> just tell me about it. <laughs> OK, enough that another no, wait, another Microsoft start. No, um, Discord is uh, obviously a big get. Um, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if, if they're worth 10 billion, no, that seems uh, I don't high. think I'd pay. I don't think I'd pay that much it, unless the, each individual use that you have to be paying for the user. The technology is nice, but you're yes. paying for the user. And if you're right, million users, it, it might be worth that much to yeah. them. If 90 million, you know, if 90% of those are going to stick around, that is a pretty big user base right out of the box. But I would bet if they are getting into the discord thing that they're going to, have to have a way to monetize it which probably involves ads which means they'll probably destroy it and i think people, adding ads might destroy it yeah uh, if, if they stick it if they stick with it being roughly the same product which like i said with with github microsoft did a reasonable job and and especially with minecraft and uh they did a reasonable job of not totally screwing it up you know the next one i'm actually expecting them to screw up is is uh, uh bethesda but um if if they manage to not 
decide to Microsoftize it, then this they they could do pretty well. <laughs> I like that. That's um, a verb. Well, I mean, the first thing the the first thing that that Microsoft did to Skype, which was, uh, yeah, I mean, well, nowadays nobody knows of the concept of a Skype without Microsoft. But I right. was on Skype before they were Microsoft, and the very first thing they did was they rebranded it as Microsoft Skype, and that don't do that. Yeah, and people I don't, don't I, trust Mike. I don't know if Microsoft knows people don't trust them inherently. Yeah, Cold Acid is is pointing out something I already knew is Bethesda was already screwed up, so maybe Microsoft can't make it worse. But I, <laughs> I have faith in Microsoft. I bet they could. They could make but, it even more dysfunctional. Yes. So, um, yeah, I, 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 in the short term, I don't think. If, oh, in the short term, we don't even have any confirmation it's going to happen. Um, but it, let's uh, we we for the purpose of this discussion, we assume the rumors is true. Um. In the short term, I don't think anything would happen, but I I do think that you you nailed it with there's going to be some massive integration into their other products, their operating system, all the places where Microsoft keeps trying to shoehorn a social network and failing. Right. Like you launch a game while you're playing, you know, you're on Windows 10, you launch a game all of a sudden, then this is going to open up so you can communicate with the people you're playing with. That's going to be a part of this. I can almost guarantee that. Yeah. And whether people like that or not, that's questionable. Whether you want Microsoft to have access to all of this information about you, this is maybe what they want to do is scrape that data. Maybe. Because right yep. now, I don't know what Microsoft, I mean, they're, Google scrapes a ton of data out of people using things like Gmail and Google Voice for texting. You know, these companies that run these messaging services and apps get to scrape a whole lot of data about people. And Microsoft probably feels a little left out. They're like, hey, we're the platform a lot of these people are on, yet we're not scraping the data. And they want it. You know, Progo is talking about how he kind of left GitHub because of Microsoft. And I think that that was a real concern with GitHub, that there are going to be people who just abandon the platform. But uh, GitHub caters primarily to programmers. And uh, um. Discord caters primarily to Twitch streamers and YouTube people who, you know, YouTube has totally fucked up their entire concept of, of comments and their whole system. And there are a lot of people who had followings of one type or another and are moving over to an ad free platform like Discord that doesn't, uh, that, that, you know, because the, the chat options, multiple channels, they're a lot easier, a lot nicer. Okay. Um, but the type of people who use discord are uh, generally a whole lot less sophisticated in the technology space than the type of people who use GitHub. Um, right. They want a turnkey solution. Unless Microsoft fucks it up somehow, uh, unless Microsoft introduces ads or plasters the name all over everything. I don't think that that changing hands would even impact most people at all. You know, the, the, the way I always thought discord was going to collapse was when they started censoring people and canceling, um, that has happened in a few small cases, but they're not doing it widespread. And we'll see if, if ultimately it becomes something else. Yeah. We'll definitely be following it because if it does happen, it's going to be huge news. And then the fall art fall out of what happens afterwards, whether (laughs) the community sticks with it, whether the the fallout yeah. is that because i mentioned bethesda probably it's uh okay, never mind. It's, it's probably a subconscious thing in there uh but microsoft they may just blow it all up could be fun 
they could make it, it. it would be if they do it'll be entertaining and we'll bring it to you here on grumpy old bent yes and we'll have oh just loaded with great stories coming up on uh on friday of this week as we move forward towards our two year anniversary you want to get in you want to be an expert you want to be like jay finley the guru walkman of buckeye and you want to get in and send that donation in keep grumpy old ben's going and uh be able to be a guru i know carl acid he's working his way there he is working his way there and he'll get there but not not by not by friday i don't get think. there ahead of me <laughs> yeah so wh- when are you going to start sending the donations in for uh for grumpy old ben's for the I, shows you're I, not on i mean those are like, I, some I'm of the providing highest rated. my, my- I'm providing my time and talent. Well, <laughs> I, my time anyway. I was going to say, I appreciate your time, <laughs> your talent. That's, that's, that's questionable. But with that said, we will be back. That's a threat on Friday for another edition of Grumpy Old Ben's. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where summer is coming. So you better get some bulletproof sunscreen. And from America's left coast, bringing you the best in closed source proprietary walled garden podcasting. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Were we supposed to put up a wall? Yes. Between us. Yeah!